Matt, Casey, a welcome. So I'm trying to get you up on stage as co-hosts, and uh, I think you might need to. Uh, hey, hello, Matt, Casey. Uh, you might need to remove your uh, speaker requests, or I might need to deny them real quick, um, and then I can bring you up as co-hosts. Okay, I don't know if that's working or not. Hi, Casey, I can hear you now. Cool, thanks for inviting me to talk. Uh, just a heads up, I'm in a public place, so there could end up being some background noise. How is it right now? Uh, I can hear you, it's a bit staticky. Oh, but there, I don't hear any background noise. Okay, cool. Let me see. Is it still kind of bad? It sounds like you're on a, a 90s radio. Oh, no. That may actually be a Twitter issue or something. I think I've had problems with that. Let me see. I'll adjust settings while we're waiting anyway. It's definitely uh, doable. Uh, not the worst I've heard. I can hear everything you're saying. Uh, there's just, you know, a radio effect. <laughs> gotcha. Well, we might just have to live with it then. I think it might be like an audio compression thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it did get a little better there. Uh, so I, I guess make sure that you're speaking into the mic um, and not covering the microphone with your uh, finger or... Um, with a, you know, privacy uh, tape over your webcam. Okay, cool. Let's hope it goes okay from here. How's this? Uh, I think that's probably the best we're going to get. <laughs> All right, sounds good. How's it going, Matt? Hey, Casey. Hey, Ray. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, some background on me. I'm traveling right now, so that's kind of why I'm in a funky spot at the moment. Actually, in Florida, of all places. I lived in Florida for 26 years. Oh, cool. What part? I'm in St. Augustine right now, just visiting family out here. Okay, so you're you're kind of near Gainesville, which is where I went to school, went to university, and then uh, I grew up kind of half my childhood was near Orlando and then the other half was out kind of near Daytona beach. Uh, cool. Yeah. We flew into Orlando. Yeah. That's pretty much the place. I guess there's probably another big one down in Tampa, a big airport in Tampa, probably Miami, but Orlando is kind of where you go for central North Florida. All right, great. We have people trickling in. So I'm going to kick it off and give a quick intro. Um, the topic this week is uh, the Casey Rogers viral flutter tweet. Uh, we want to learn more. 
we want to hear from the man himself, Casey Rogers, who's our uh, distinguished and invited guest today. And uh, we also want to, you know, take questions from the audience. So if you want to come up on stage, um, you have a question to ask about the tweet, about Casey, or any of your opinions, um, I know there have been some positive feedback and also some negative feedback. Uh, so if you want to share those, your feedback, uh, definitely press the mic button and come up on stage. Uh, so to start things off, um, I think it will be very helpful to just uh, hear Casey, you're, you know, tell us uh, what happened, you know, what prompted you to make the tweet. Um, and then um, it also be really nice to fill us in on what ha has happened with the tweet and what has happened since. Sure. Yeah, so I posted, I don't know, about a week ago now or something, and it's just kind of, I'll use Twitter to vent a lot, to be honest, especially about Flutter stuff. I'll be in the middle of working on a project, and I'll be pretty annoyed about something, or really I'll be annoyed about a series of things over the course of a week. I'll belt out a quick tweet about it, and then kind of move on. And this one just happened to strike a nerve, I guess. The thing I was tweeting about, though I figure most people have already seen the context, was... Uh, I feel like Google has really neglected a large part of Flutter. I think the way I framed it was a bit misleading and hyperbolic. I said, it's Google backing away from Flutter. And honestly, that's something I'm a little bit anxious of. Though if I were to rewrite the tweet, I don't think I would have framed it that way. I would say, is Flutter in a good state almost? Or how's the Flutter team doing is more what, if I'm being a little bit more specific about it. I don't think Google's necessarily backing away from Flutter. I retweeted that tweet a while later with some more explanation where they're showing a lot of investment, but there's also so many parts of Flutter that feel really stagnant and not great. Uh, I've talked a fair bit to kind of segue into what's happened since the tweet. Uh, one of the PMs at Flutter reached out to me, a couple other Flutter people messaged me and asked how they could help. I built up a Google Doc with a more kind of polished version of what was in that tweet thread. You can actually find that in the thread somewhere, but I can also repost it here once I'm not speaking and I can focus on something else. But uh, they've gone through that. And the one that I've zeroed in on the most to see if we can make some progress is in the tweet thread. I really talked about how Material App fights with Navigator 2 and is in general pretty hard to work with. And it just feels like a complicated mess that's been built up over time. And nobody's come back and done a yak shave and just really turned that into a clean API, which I find particularly damning because Material App is like the front piece of Flutter. When you start a new Flutter project as a brand new Flutter beginner, the first thing you're going to interact with nine times out of 10 is going to be Material App. And if you dive into its docs, it's just a confusing map. There's like a couple different constructors. There's like, I counted them. I think there's can't remember it's in the associated github issue but i think it's like eight or nine navigation related arguments to material app and those constructor args have fairly complicated interdependencies for example if you specify home you're not supposed to specify the routing based arguments uh if you specify builder whether or not you specified router or home can affect whether or not the builder function gets a non-null child widget so I'm kind of diving a little bit too much into the weeds here to step back. The main point is like there's a lot of parts of Flutter that are severe neg severely neglected. And I really hope to get out of that tweet more focused on the Flutter team to just step back and revisit all these places that 
of just a ton of friction, especially for new developers, but even for me, where I've had like a couple years behind the wheel with Flutter here, and I'm used to all this stuff, and I have my own workarounds and my own projects. But I really like stepping back with everything I've worked with and saying, okay, what are the like dumb things I built up over time that in an ideal ideal world I wouldn't have to do? I think the mess around Material App, and I've got my own hacky workaround for uh, cutting out Material App for my nav stack. I just, these don't feel like a good experience. And I'd love to push on the Flutter team to resolve those kinds of problems. Okay, so uh, let's first uh, actually read through the tweet uh, so people understand what you exactly you tweeted. And uh, because some people, you know, they might have read reactions to your tweet and not actually read your tweet itself. So you first said, is Google backing away from Flutter? I'm worried. The framework feels like it's stagnating pretty hard and a lot of big and small problems are being completely ignored. Also, the built-in widgets offering is getting messy and no one is cleaning it up. And then you provided a list of examples. So I've read through all of your examples and I liked your tweet. Um, and I really, because it resonated, it really resonated with me. Um, so that's my editorial commentary there. Uh, but you listed a series of uh, 12 different issues. Um, so one, we still don't have out-of-the-box stroke text. Two, the interactions between default text style and text theme are a convoluted mess. Three, all the different nav options suck in their own special way. Four, lots of older widgets have bad APIs that need to be cleaned up. Drop, example, drop-down menu. Five. Uh, really quick to jump in on number four. I actually found out drop-down menu isn't even an old widget. It's actually one of the newest ones. Its API was so clunky and felt like a lot of the earlier uh, Flutter APIs so that I just kind of naively assumed. This was kind of a stream of conscious list, so there's a lot of mistakes in here. But at the time, I naively assumed that it was one of the old widgets just because it felt so clunky and old. But no, it's a brand new craft to the, uh, to the Flutter offerings. Oh, that's news to me as well, because I just used drop down menu as well. And I thought it was a legacy widget, too. Uh, so. Yeah, it feels so <laughs> much like a legacy one. Yeah, you'd swear it was. I think it was Mike Rightstorm who pointed out to me that's new. That guy is so on top of what Flutter's doing. Uh, I mean, I, I do agree with all the points here. Uh, so number five, a uh, lot of older widgets have overlapping goals and clearly should be merged expansion panel list versus expansion tile six dumb naming inconsistencies some tappables use on pressed and some on tap i get that they follow a pattern but i don't care make it all on tap seven material state property eight material widgets missing basic customizability for example elevated button doesn't support background decorations nine no indication of when offset is pixel versus fractionally denominated. And why does alignment even exist? It's just offset and a trench coat. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, number 10, material app is a bloated mess. Number 11, show bottom sheet is just flat out broken when used with draggable sheet. And number 12, basic mobile dev tasks have no obvious approach, so everyone reinvents the wheel. For example, network image assets scale to device and device pixel size. All right. Um, I want to offer you a chance to 
to jump in, Casey. And um, if anyone else would like to come up, uh, just press the mic button and we'll bring you up on stage as well. Yeah, so I can dive into a couple of these that I care the most about and explain them. And as you saw, there's like some intentional tongue in cheek here. And uh, you skipped over the very last part, which I definitely feel a little bad about. I was a little mean by saying, who's the Flutter director, director of product? And they're asleep at the wheel. I still kind of feel like there's really missing top-down direction on the Flutter team about what the API surface should look like. But that's a pretty mean way of putting it. So I don't think I need to put it that way. That was just my attempt to be tongue-in-cheek through the whole thing. Uh, to jump into one of the ones that might need more explanation or uh, more defense, for example, uh, on stroke text, that was the first one, you have to create a stack with one set of text that uses like an outline painter, which is fairly complicated. And then on top of that generic text, it just seems like something, if there's already the outline painter in there, forcing us to manage our own stack and then reach into the painter and mess with it feels like such a messy, sloppy workaround. I don't know a lot of details about this specific one. I do know there's like a multi-year-old issue about this, but I suspect a part of the problem here is that right now the workaround doesn't work very well and they'd have to do a lot of work with the outline painter to get stroke text that always looks clean. I know a lot of scenarios where it breaks. So I suspect they don't want to give you a good experience in creating a stroke text because they know the stroke text itself doesn't work that well. But either way, that feels like a non-ideal circumstance. In general, there's a lot of jank with textiles. For example, there's another multi-year-old issue saying, can we get min lines for text? Right now, text field already has a min lines argument where if I say min lines is three and I give it text that only wraps to two lines, it will size the text field as if there were three lines and then you can specify the paragraph alignment for where it lands in there. But you can't do that for a regular text widget, which is really annoying because there's a lot of scenarios where you have uh, custom, maybe user-generated content or whatever it might be, custom messages that may or may not wrap to different degrees on different devices, but you need the pixel height to be the same so you can build the rest of your UI around that to look good at the same height every time. There's just a ton of little spots like that where textile is missing what I'd consider like pretty standard desirable features. And you can see that they're desirable by how many GitHub issues are associated to them and how many reactions it has. Uh, number seven, material state property. I was being pretty tongue in cheek there where I didn't explain why, because I think anybody who has touched material state property knows that material state property is just miserable to deal with. To give people background that have never touched it at all, it's the way different parts of the material widget system respond to state. So mostly around cursor slash tap state. So there's stuff like, is this UI element currently being pressed by the cursor? Is the cursor, if one is available, for example, on desktop, is it currently hovering over the uh, Is this interactive element currently enabled? So there's all these different states, like enabled slash disabled, hover, not hover, currently pressed, not pressed, et cetera, et cetera. And the way material state property handles that is it has a callback where it takes a set, takes in a set of all the current states that apply to that component. And then you write your own custom function that returns the correct uh, value according to the set of states. 
So the most obvious example being, say, the color on an elevated button. While pressed, you might want to darken it a little. And then while disabled, you want to gray it out. On hover, you might want to highlight it, lighten it a little, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Material does this out of the box, and it's pretty good. But if you want any customization, it's just so painful to figure out what kind of states you need to support. The biggest thing is it's all dynamic at runtime because it's literally just a set with anywhere from zero to like five elements in it. And it just makes it so hard to navigate that API. The other annoying thing is I don't know the details of exactly when or how this happens, but whenever I've messed with the uh, material state property and I've edited that callback, hot reload doesn't pick up the updates. For whatever reason, that callback isn't getting run on every build, which may be an optimization thing, but it's a total pain if you're tweaking button styling. You're like, oh, maybe that should be a little darker. Ooh, maybe that should be a little lighter. But hot reload doesn't work. You have to do a hot restart or navigate away and back to that page to force it to rebuild. I can keep rambling here and just go into depth. But also, if any folks have questions, uh, feel free to jump in. Yeah, I wanted to uh, go through your entire tweet because that way there's no um, no misunderstandings. So everyone can see what your recommendations were. Um, and what you wrote, you know, for all of the items. Um, and that, th I guess this is now the time to open it up to uh, the community and everyone listening. Uh, were any of Casey's, or do, do you have any comments about any of Casey's points? And do you have any disagreements? Do you think Casey was wrong or incorrect in any of his uh, criticisms? Or and to jump in, uh, feel free to be blunt. If it, I know a lot of people didn't agree pretty strong with the tweet, and I welcome us chatting openly about it. So if you're like, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm attacking him, I'm not going to take it personally. Feel free to launch into it. I'm happy to talk about it. Hi, Casey. I, this is Mike. Hey, how's it yeah, going? Yeah, it's going great. And thanks, Ray and Matt, for having me on board. Uh, I just wanted to drop a note and say that uh, I, I did comment on Casey's uh, post. I actually, you know, agreed or had some minor rebuttals on, on some of them. But yeah, I mean, you had a very sort of controversial main post, but the actual issues were, were a little bit smaller. And uh, to take one of them and comment on the material state, yes, I agree. It's uh, a very confusing API to use. And for those that want to learn how to use it, the best way to do that is to actually go in and check the source code for how all the widgets are, are using it for their default styles. And by studying those, you can actually figure it out and you know copy it and modify it and make your own. But I've also noticed that the material state property have uh, its own built-in problem. And uh, that is one that has to do with when you are using it in teaming and actually applying it to team data. What happens is that it kills the equality of the team data class. The team data has equality checks, et cetera, set out. But as soon as you set any, any property that uses the material state with the callbacks, those function callbacks uh, can't be, can't, you can't check for equality of those, on those. So, so when you have that, uh, the equality check doesn't work anymore. So you can actually get a lot of extra rebuilds from your team data when you are, when you are using it. You know, it's a little bit weird that way. I don't know why. That, that hasn't been recognized very well. Okay, that was just a side issue about, about those. But, but yeah, I think it's a good point to go through a little bit about what, what you said and didn't say, et cetera, because I didn't see in the actual 
topics that you raised, Casey, anything that was that controversial, I think those were all valid points that are, are confusing or could be better or working poorly or that could be just improved. So I think it was a sort of a very hyperbolic post about the issues and then the actual issues were actually not so big, a little bit smaller, yeah, relevant, but, but things you can work around for most part if you know how to deal with them. All right, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, to jump in, I think you're totally right. The original post was, or the main part where I'm saying is Google backing away from Flutter. You're right. That was definitely hyperbolic. And something I mostly said because I was annoyed inventing and didn't really expect the tweet to blow up. Of course, if I didn't write it hyperbolically, it wouldn't have blown up. So my personal feelings about that are a little complicated. On the one hand, I'd rather not misrepresent the situation. And saying literally is Google backing away from Flutter isn't something I really believe. So that's definitely misrepresenting it. I'm apprehensive about Google's commitment to Flutter a little bit, and I'm not happy with how much attention some parts of the framework have, but I don't think it's anywhere near enough to say they're abandoning it. At the same time, by being hyperbolic, I was just doing it to vent, but it accidentally meant that my problems got way, 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 way more attention than they would have otherwise. And I think there's some advantage sometimes there to being playing Twitter's game. I mean, we're all on Twitter. We realize what tweets go well and what tweets don't. And oftentimes any form of controversy is going to make a tweet go huge. So it is a way to get attention. I don't think I'd do it again necessarily, but I don't entirely regret that such a hyperbolic tweet blew up. And I am actively talking with, oh, I forget her name. I believe it's Leia of Flutter PM to try and tackle some of these problems. The hard part is a lot of them, like you said, they're not deal breakers. And a lot of them are kind of just about hairy API design. None of these are like, oh my God, Flutter team's so dumb. Why did they do it that way? I think that there's definitely a lot of mistakes in the API here, but they're super sympathetic and understandable mistakes. And API design, especially for a huge framework, it's just a hard problem. All the same... I think it's really important to go back and yak shave to use Google's own terminology as much as possible, especially with large frameworks. I think that's one of Flutter's biggest advantages right now is it's relatively young. So its API isn't a convoluted disastrous mess, like say React Native, where there's just a billion different things that are there purely for historical reasons and just make it harder to get into. So Flutter already has a huge advantage here, but I'm seeing it slip. And that's why I think it's so important to focus on what aren't deal breakers, but are like API friction. And these are just 12 examples that were off the top of my head. But certainly if I sat down for like an hour, I could give you another 30 to 40 examples. Just about all of which wouldn't be that controversial. And everybody would agree, hey, we should probably do something better here. And of course, it's non-trivial fixing it. They're hard problems. But it's worth calling attention to it, focusing on it, and working on it. I mean, I myself... I have a bunch of PRs that I've merged with Flutter, many of which are in this category of, hey, this particular API was messy. How can we clean it up? The uh, merged PR of mine that I'm by far the most proud of in Flutter, I think it's like four lines, like two insertions, two deletions. It's tiny. But what it is is future.builder and, or sorry, futurebuilder.builder. And, excuse me, I'm misremembering this. It's the... Uh, Future argument and the stream argument on future builder and stream builder were optional nullables, and I made them required nullables. I'm pretty sure it was just an accident when they migrated to null safety that they just forgot to fix this. 
because it was really easy to forget the stream argument and really easy to forget the future argument. And then your UI just wouldn't update and it would take you 20 seconds to realize what was wrong. And it was just so annoying. And I would do that constantly. So I just made those arguments required. And now, I, at least I personally find Future Builder and Stream Builder far easier to use and much more friendly. And I think that small changes like that can have a huge impact. I encourage the Flutter team to do that. I myself do PRs like that whenever I get the chance. So I only have so much time to dedicate to doing free work for Google. And I encourage you guys to get into it. And I'm happy to help people try and merge PRs if somebody wants to at me while they're working on something. I think it takes a while to get used to what the Flutter team expects when you're filing an issue or creating a PR. And I spent enough time uh, doing that myself that I think I have a decent intuition for what helps and what doesn't. I'm happy to do stuff like vote your views, et cetera. Of course, unofficially, just as advice, I'm not working for Google, but uh, the Google or the Flutter team tends to be pretty dismissive if a PR issue doesn't fit their style, which makes sense. They're bombarded by so much stuff and they only have so much time. And sometimes it helps to have a, a friendly person give a pass over it before you send it over to the Flutter team. Hey, Casey, uh, Matt here. I think a lot of the issues that you're describing seem legitimate. They seem like probably you know, some of those are things I've probably complained about a number of times. I do want to step back and look at kind of the meta situation here, though, because I mean, at the, if we're just talking Flutter issues, then I think at the root of it, all we're really identifying is that Flutter has issues. And I don't think that's any secret because there's an issue tracker with over 5,000 things filed. So I don't know that we're making a lot of news on that front. But it's, of course, unavoidable that the reason we're here having this conversation is because of this tweet and because of the response to the tweet. Positive responses, negative responses, um, people in other communities kind of being uh, concerned about what was in the tweet like people who weren't worried about flutter existing uh two weeks ago are now worried about flutter existing into the future and so i'd like to talk a little bit about the social nature of of the post of the response to it and and the takeaways that people are supposed to have because i will say that um you know speaking just for me personally there are some people on twitter some of which i'm sure you and i could name who kind of make these kinds of posts their bread and butter. It's, all, it's like the majority of what they post. I've had to mute some of those people because I find it uh, so toxic to, to keep reading it and I find it counterproductive. And so I want us to try to have a conversation here where we understand what the social interaction should be. Because on the one hand, you mentioned, hey, it's Twitter, we all know the game, we all know the algorithm. And, and to a certain extent, that's true. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's in the interest of the future of Flutter or our community to engage that way with each other. You know, for example, for the people who are on the framework team, how did they likely feel reading that post? And though you have gotten some reactionary interaction uh, with members of the team, in general, are we more likely or less likely to see those framework developers invest time in fixes if we have, let's say, an internet filled with posts like that. So looking beyond just this one post and this one reaction, if we instead consider everybody in this call, everybody that might listen to this later, people who are learning lessons uh, by reading what's on Twitter, is this, is this a way that people in general you feel should talk about 
uh, Flutter and interact with the Flutter team? Is, do, do we want a reactionary Flutter world? Uh, and if not, what might we do to get more of a proactive Flutter world where instead of the Flutter team kind of chaotically responding to, to super critical posts on Twitter, they're actually trying to design and build the future. Do you have any any sense of those two directions and how we might, which one's preferable and how we might get there? Sure, sure. To say things in two parts to get to your last question as the second part. Uh, I know the posts you're talking about, uh, they drive me nuts. So on some level, I'm doing something with that specific tweet, at least, that I've seen in other places really annoyed me. The part uh, that I try to draw the line, I think it helps, though, once again, as I've mentioned, I'm not sure I'd say the same tweet the same way if I were doing everything again, is I have actually kind of fairly constructive and actionable follow-ups to that tweet in that thread that did get a fair amount of attention. And the stuff that really drives me nuts more than anything else is like an engagement farming tweet that has no content. And I actually honestly hate that on the negative side and the positive side. It kind of almost annoys me more when I see positive engagement farming. And I'll click on the little three dots and say not interested in this post. Because positive engage, I mean, either way, it's junk. The thing that bugs me more than whether or not something is negative or positive is whether or not it's junk. I certainly won't name names because that's not really necessary. But there are a lot of people that will post like Flutter tutorials that are just kind of SEO spam garbage. And they'll have a bunch of, oh, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And then you look through the blog and all the do this, don't do that are like really vaguely stated and not nearly enough concrete information to actually be helpful to be a beginner. So just to reiterate there, to me, the biggest line to draw is not negative positive, but actionable and constructive content to it versus no actionable and constructive content. To get to the second point about how we work with the Flutter team and the Flutter community to build a more proactive environment, that's something I'm thinking a lot about right now, especially as I'm talking to the Flutter team to try and address these issues. Some of them are like fairly straightforward and assuming the Flutter team had the resources actionable, like add stroke text. That's like going to take work, but there's not vague, fuzzy, confusing questions about what that is. On the other hand, make material app much cleaner and more joyful to use that is pretty vague and fuzzy and i'm not that's the one i currently care the most about and the one i'm investing the most into as i'm talking to the flutter team and i don't entirely know how to make that actionable. i mean i used to work at google and i bet a product manager not at google elsewhere uh, i was an engineer at google but those kinds of things are usually what you need somebody who's got a fair amount of weight in the company to kind of just take the reins and do the PMing work. And if they don't have the resources for that right now, they don't have the resources for that right now. So that may be all there is to it, but who knows, maybe they're willing to open source that. This is getting a little rambly, but I guess to just step back and go back to how do we proactively work with the Flutter team? I think the easiest spot to tackle that is just finding small places where something feels annoying and then just doing the legwork to create an issue and then create a PR and especially learning the cultural expectations of the Flutter team so that your PR is properly formatted, your issue is properly formatted, et cetera, because that will make a huge difference in how much time you and they both spend working on that PR 
and is a huge impact on its likelihood of going in. The one I'm working on right now, for example, is the newish overlay portal. Its controller isn't listenable, and I needed a listenable controller somewhere, so I wrote some dumb, hacky workaround for it. And then immediately after writing the dumb, hacky workaround, I filed a GitHub issue and started in the PR. I've been pretty busy recently, and the PR reviewer has been pretty busy, so it's moving really slowly. But there's an example where it's like, okay, here's a very specific, productive thing to be done. We could also think about, I think, more community-level stuff like that, like bug bounties or something people have talked about, or even just like on Twitter, collecting what we think are the most actionable issues. I don't know if somebody could own that kind of thing, own it as a site or just as regular tweets or something, but that could be helpful just because GitHub issues, it's just miserable to scroll through. It's really hard to find relevant issues. And I'll often be wondering like, okay, what matters right now? What's the low-hanging fruit? And I'll go into GitHub issues and it's just a nightmare. You just can't find that much useful stuff there. So I can see some value in mirroring it. At this point, I'm just spitballing ideas. Happy to give the floor back to you if you have follow-up thoughts um, or have your own ideas about how we can do that. Well, I completely agree with you about doing the legwork. And, and therein lies the rub is that it's the legwork is never social media posts, of course. It's every, I mean, maybe you start there if you want to send people to an issue ticket, but the legwork is filing the issue, the legwork is doing the work, writing the test, putting up the PR, going through the change request, getting it merged, all that stuff. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. And there, in terms of organizing, I think we just got to organize. So for example, I created the Flutter Bounty Hunters a, you know, a few years ago uh, with kind of two possible missions. One was to build open source packages to provide capabilities that aren't in Flutter so that we can grow the capabilities of Flutter through the community instead of just through demanding things from the Flutter team. At the same time, uh, an idea that was present early on, and I'm happy to bring it back if people are willing to support it, but I had the idea that the Flutter Bounty Hunters not only could build new open source packages, but if companies wanted to uh, sponsor our work, we could go implement features and fix bugs in the Flutter framework in a professional paid manner just like I used to get paid on the Flutter team to do just that. But we, we never really found much interest in that. So absent any companies willing to sponsor that work, we then couldn't do it professionally. And then we're back to the charity model, which I've pointed out many times, just isn't sustainable. We all have bills to pay and, and we're all, I think, engaging in professional and valuable work. So we should generally be paid for that work. But uh, we've also discussed in loose terms in these spaces, the concept of a Flutter Foundation, which would organize major, uh, you know, companies that have major stakes in the health of Flutter to help identify uh, the difference between, let's say, issues that someone runs into in a hobby project versus issues that are preventing the direct delivery of value from Flutter adopting companies to their users and customers. Here again, in, in these cases, these ideas have been around for years. People have been talking about them for years. Like I said, I've actually started an entire organization with a team that I run to this day to try to deal with this stuff. The issue as I see it is that in place of people sitting down and kind of taking the steps, doing the work, organizing, putting out appropriate documents, implementing appropriate bugs, bug fixes and features, we just have more posts on Twitter about how terrible Flutter is. And this is the conundrum for me. If we all recognize that Flutter needs help 
and we recognize that we are capable of doing it and we recognize that we just need to work together to do it, how is it that we keep ending up with seemingly just a series of Twitter posts and blog posts and, and this kind of stuff? What do we need to do to actually build some forward momentum as a community? And again, I don't necessarily have the answer. I've spent years trying to build an organization to do it. We know that you know Eric Seidel is over there building an organization to do it. I think we all hope to see Ian uh, contribute in, in his own time in some fashion. And Ian continues, I believe, to help set the roadmap. But there are literally millions of Flutter developers who could contribute to Flutter, but they aren't. So what do we do about that? How do we get like just let's let's take the people on this call right here. Probably everyone on this call has some capability to help. How do we actually get the group on this call to sit down and, and do the work? I could propose, and I'd be happy to participate pretty heavily in this, for people that already have done a decent bit of contributing to Flutter, you could take on an apprentice and then just like help guide them through that. It's always a little weird because we're not formally associated with Flutter, but uh, I think that's a huge part of the value is if you haven't contributed to Flutter much or at all yet, it feels really intimidating. And then there's a lot of just really basic pitfalls that somebody could help you avoid. I think one of the really costly parts is say you formatted your code wrong and then you submit the PR, that's going to spend like a week of back and forth with you and somebody on the Flutter team. And let, sorry, so, let me jump in real quick on that point before I forget, I'll, I'll let you finish what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I did just send a proposal. So by the way, anyone who doesn't know, the Flutter team has Discord channels and they're, they're intended for people who actually uh, commit to the project. They're not there for like general conversation or, or certainly not spamming. But I did just send a proposal in one of those cha channels and I said, would any Flutter framework developer like to join me in a video where we literally pair program issue tickets that are filed against Flutter? In other words, fix bugs, implement features that are actually in tickets on GitHub. We go from reading the issue to implementing to testing to merging a PR so that the broader community can actually see what does the full process look like, where are the stumbling blocks, how long does it take, and then maybe they could follow that pattern. Now that's only gonna work if some people on the team take me up on that because I want them, you know, I'll drive, but I want them to navigate. I want them to explain what we're doing and why. If they take me up on that, I will record those videos. I'll put them on YouTube and perhaps that's a jumping off point, Casey, to what you were just talking about. Yeah, I love that idea. I think having some level of buy-in from the Flutter team would help a lot there. By the way, my UI looks like in a bug state. Can somebody let me know if they can hear me right now? Yep. yep. Okay, you're fine. Cool. I guess it was just Twitter being weird. Um, one other thing I was going to say, and it's a little bit of an aside, but I think one thing that would help a lot for contributing to Flutter is if they turned the darn auto formatter on. That drives me absolutely insane. I don't think I found a single person who's invested in the Flutter community, but isn't a member of the Flutter team who doesn't want the auto formatter on. And I know they have their own reasons for doing it. They have a pretty explicit explanation of why that was, or why they made that decision. I think there's a lot of room for just reasonable people to disagree here. But maybe there's a way that we can talk to the Flutter team and convince them as community members saying like, hey, this would really help us here. For background context, for people hearing who don't 
know what I'm talking about is um, the Flutter team has you manually format your code instead of using Dart format. And their explanation for that, which I think is totally justifiable, it's not insane, is uh, that they want the auto formatter is never going to beat a conscientious human formatter who's doing a very careful job. And there's a lot of edge cases where the auto formatter will produce very unreadable code. So they'd rather have maximally readable code than as fast as possible writing code just to reduce the maintenance burden. I think that makes sense in a lot of ways, but at the same time, if you want a lot of people to contribute to Flutter, not having the auto formatter on is a big barrier because they have to learn the style in great detail. They have to turn off their IDEs, auto formatting settings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just creates a lot of pain for contributors. Well, on top of that, uh, you know, I've read a lot of framework code. Their formatting isn't, there's a lot of code that ain't readable in the format and in, in the framework, regardless of format. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I think that argument, uh, you know, maybe they need to revisit their own code and, and show us why that's more readable. In fact, I think, again, there's obviously two sides to it. Neither, you know, there's a cost benefit to both options, but also maybe running an auto formatter would demonstrate to some of the framework developers where they are engaging in some excessive spaghetti code practices because there are places where that's happening. It is unreadable no matter how you format it, and it's probably a bad idea. Uh, so I, you know, may, you know, maybe they actually gain more than they lose if they would use an auto formatter. Yeah, and a note on that, uh, Mr. Aleph, I may be re misremembering his handle. Please let me know if I am. But I believe it's Mr. Aleph who works on Dart. He tweeted recently that there was some internal interest within Google about turning the auto formatter on in Flutter. Uh, I don't know where the tweet is. Uh, you can probably find it somewhere in a tweet thread. Uh, unfortunately, you, it's so hard to find old tweets. Are you but, referring uh, was, to Slava's comment, Casey? Are you referring to Slava's comment? Uh, is that his name? Sorry, I'm so bad with names. Yeah, He's got like a yellow it, avatar with a black uh, outline. Yeah, prob probably that one. He's on the Dart team, and he's been been working on uh, other issues. He's so very active, actually, for a for a member from the Dart team in in Denmark. I think, I think from that really nice guy. So, but anyway, he he mentioned also that he has been a proponent of uh, getting the Flutter team to to start using the Dart format, and then also that they they are potentially in in discussions about maybe adding some style changes and uh, supports for in, into the format that would make it more easy and acceptable for the Flutter team to then get get a format uh, output that would suit their style a little bit more. Uh, one of the things is, of course, that, you know, all those manually formatted lines, they have really long lines. I think the longest lines I have seen in the Flutter code is like 300 uh, characters long. So when people say they, that the dot format, of course, cuts everything at 80 and there's nothing you can do about that. So that, that is, of course, another one that is, is quite a big issue for them as well that they don't like, apart from a lot of the other, other things. And, and I have to say that I've uh, uh, opened around 80, 85, 88 issues, I think, in the Flutter repo. And I've also committed a few PRs, et cetera, but not that many, and mostly because... I don't want to deal with their manual formatting. It's it's a hassle to you know turn everything off and then try to look at the code how it's styled and where, where you're supposed to break things and and then you try to read their wiki guide for that has some information about what they expect. 
I mean, that, that is for me the biggest hurdle. I don't just don't, don't want to deal with all that. I'm fine writing the tests and you know taking part of the review and fixing minor, my minor sort of uh, details in, in how something is styled or or named and these kind of things. That's fine. That's understandable. But uh, that formatting is like so so much nitpicking around it. So it's just no thanks. Yeah, it's really painful. To step back a little, sorry, Matt, I distracted from your original discussion of doing some pair programming with the Flutter team. I just wanted to circle back on that before I totally forget. I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, I'd love to watch it if it comes through. Also happy to help if there's any way I can contribute. So feel free to ping me at any time if you if you have any announcements there or want some support organizing that or so on. Yeah, I think... So I think what it's going to come down to is whether any of the framework devs actually want to do it. Uh, so it, if anybody knows any framework devs or, or if you're, I mean, I've, I've also spoken to Leah about this, um, but she's, she kind of pointed me to discord and uh, some, I also had contact with someone from DevRel, but at the, at least at the moment that didn't really go anywhere in terms of action items or actionable details. So at the end of the day, if any framework devs want to do this with me, I, I will set it up, I will record, I will edit, I will publish. But the key is to have the people who work on Flutter every day kind of show me how they would want this process to go so that I can show the rest of the community. It all starts with finding framework devs that are willing to participate. So if anybody in the audience either is a framework dev or knows a framework dev, maybe reach out and see if that's something they'd like to do. Hey, uh, Zach has been waiting to speak for a while, uh, so so I'm going to go to you, Zach. Uh, Zach, you have the floor. Zach, Zach C Theo. Uh, hello, Zach. Are you there? Okay. Uh, when Zach comes back, uh, you can jump in. Oh, hi. Good evening. Yes, sorry, I just came in. I just came in. So, what exactly are you guys talking about? She don't mind. Uh, so I thought you've uh, you've been uh, on stage and as a speaker for a bit. Um, so, uh, I guess uh, keep on listening um, and jump in when you have a comment. Okay. Uh, so, okay. yeah, I actually okay. was at the last. Uh, the last talk show, the last one I actually attended, but I just joined this one today. I, I'm trying to get the concept of what we are talking about today. So I'll be listening. Okay. Uh, then uh, just stay on um, and uh, we'll keep on going. Um, okay, okay. okay. So we, we were having a good conversation about uh, the various things that we as a community can do. Uh, to, you know, contribute to Flutter. Um, and I think what made it very clear to me, I, I just realized this, is that we're talking about individual actions, whereas as a community, one of the most impactful things we can do is actually push and shape policy. So a lot of the blockers here, a lot of the issues we've identified are issues because of certain policies of Flutter and Google. And that is one area where we can actually have a huge direct impact on. And similarly, 
uh, with what you did with this post, Casey. Uh, you created energy and you created action on part of the Flutter team. And what we've seen before is with certain types of posts. So I, you know, pointed out some criticism of uh, the progress bar not having a rounded cap. That got a lot of attention. So that actually got a member of the Flutter team, Kate Lovett, to personally revive a three-year-old PR, and now it's merged into a Flutter state, a Flutter uh, stable, I believe. So there are certain mechanisms that it seems like whenever things trend on Twitter, that prompts an action and that prompts energy from the Flutter team to actually address it. Now, we can debate whether or not you know that's good or, or bad, uh, but that seems like one of the only ways to uh, prompt action from the Flutter team so far. Um, so to you, Casey, I want to un- understand. I, wa- I have a question, and I want to understand uh, why, uh, I guess, uh, what has changed about your perspective and your approach um, after all the responses to your tweet? Uh, what did you think before, and what do you think differently now? Yeah, I would say uh, I think there's still a lot of value in putting heat on the team, and I'm actually not against doing that again, to be honest. The main thing I would do is probably be a little more careful about my wording in a couple places, and uh, especially to try and not make beginners scared. Though, to be honest, a huge part of why my tweet blew up, I think, was React Kitties boosting it. So React Native people really like the trope of Google abandoning stuff. So they boosted it a lot, and that's what got it a lot of attention. So it's kind of tricky to ride that line of, okay, you want to get attention on something without being too aggressively misleading or have too much backfire. On some level, it's kind of hard to, to have your cake and eat it too there. But to summarize, yeah, I think I'd just be a little careful, more careful about the wording in a couple places. But in the future, I'm going to keep using Twitter to vent when I'm frustrated about something, in part because it's cathartic for me, because, hey, I'm sitting here developing, pissed about something, I want to post about it. Um, and sometimes when I vent about stuff, it blows up and it gets attention, and I can try and capitalize on that to fix the thing I was pissed about. So I don't think I'll, like, totally change my approach, just be a little more Right. And I, I'm personally not asking you to change your approach uh, because uh, if you're growing your account, if you're bringing attention and you are making pull requests and you are a valuable member of the community, you've contributed quite a bit to Flutter. So personally, I don't think I have you know, any right to tell you how to do you know, anything you're doing. But there have been responses that uh, view your post as very negative. And that's a consequence of, I guess, the post, you know, your post. Uh, So that's a consequence of, you know, what you write. Um, If you're making any change, uh, I guess why, like, like, Are there any lessons, perhaps, for the rest of us, or any lessons from this experience? Yeah, so uh, I think one lesson, I mean, I think we're all learning how the Twitter algorithm works, and 
you just post a bunch, you see what blows up and then you kind of learn what works. Definitely. This is an example of what works for better, or for worse, but also encourage people. All right. If you're going to try and post your viral tweets, try and make sure you can build something constructive out of it. Like you pointed out, I'm growing my account. I wouldn't be lying. I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't care about that and I'm not trying to get more follows, but also while you're trying to build up your own personal brand, try and do it in a constructive and productive way. And a big thing too is if you grow your account with just vapid posts, I kind of suspect that ends up being pretty poor professional networking. Like I got the majority of the professional networking out of my Twitter account between like 50 followers and 200 followers. I got a ton of bites, ended up in some like private chats, et cetera, et cetera, with some people that are big in the Flutter community. I made friends with a lot of those people, met up with a couple of them in person while I've been traveling. And I'd just like to say, if you are trying to grow your account, do it in a way that's hopefully constructive because a lot of the like really valuable stuff beyond just a follower account comes from being noticed and being constructive. And if you're just being noticed, Sure, you might get a lot of followers, but it's going to be harder to convert those followers into, say, job opportunities and stuff like that. So you mentioned what works, and I want to clarify, you're talking about what works to get you more followers and more engagement, not what works to make Flutter a better product and and it convince more people to adopt it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, if you're asking about the former, I'm happy to dive in that, too. I just thought you meant what works on a literal, mechanical Twitter attention algorithm basis. Well, I th- yeah, I think Ray was just asking in general, but I just wanted to, you mentioned the term works. And so I just wanted to be very clear about what your works to do what, but it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, yeah, getting good point. Out. So, yes. And, and this is, this is going to, this is an area where Ray and I have very different opinions. Uh, I will repeat what Ray said, which is it's, I have no authority to tell anybody else in the world what to do with their Twitter account. And so I'm not going to try. But I, I really think. I mean, I th- the earlier you mentioned kind of like, I don't know if it's attention farming or something like that, but I mean, if a post, if the goal is, if the concept of get of, of making it work, if the idea is that the goal is to increase followers and that is the rationale for why certain things go into a post, to me, that is the definition of intention or engagement farming. And it, there may be some constructive details in there, but if that's the goal, that's the goal. If the goal is attention, then the goal is attention. Um, uh, having kind of watched the social media around Flutter since as far back as late 2017, I personally feel that a lot of the air has long been sucked out of the room, whether it's kind of overly positive or zero content or overly negative posts the places where we might go to have meaningful conversations have just been filled to the brim with some combination of those three things. And I think in nearly every case, the reason for all three of those, whether it's a level of positivity that doesn't make sense versus what's actually happening or a level of negativity that doesn't make sense versus what's actually happening or just middle ground spam trying to send people to websites, all of that is about how do I get more people following me, engaging with me, hiring me, buying my product. And what I personally believe that I see is those individuals trying to get more for themselves at the expense of the broader community. And so I'm, 
I, I'm very sensitive to the possibility that people might walk away from this conversation with the message that if you want to get yourself more followers, more subscribers, more buyers, just figure out the right level of negativity to routinely post about Flutter or some other technology. And I really think I mean, to the extent that anyone might be taking that message, I think that's a really terrible message. I think it's really harmful. And I would encourage people not to spam the Flutter community with positivity, negativity, or just pure product sells. The, we just talked earlier about the, the thing we're missing is organizing. We have these ideas. We've identified problems. And what's missing is action. Well, how do we take action in a space that is being choked out with these kind of meaningless interactions related to building up one's own following? That's a personal concern that I have. I don't think I entirely disagree with you, actually, there, though there are certain parts where we do disagree. I think to reframe what I was saying earlier, I think we're lying to people if we don't tell them that engagement farming uh, works. Like, it does work. Those stupid posts are successful. And that's why you see them so much and why it feels like they choke out the room. So I guess my position is I'm not going to tell somebody, don't post something stupid. It's a bad idea. It's bad for blood or blah, 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 blah. Because they usually do want to build their influence. And I don't want to tell them, hey, that thing you want to build your influence with doesn't work or is bad for the community, so you shouldn't do it, when it very clearly does work. I agree it's bad for the community. So I'm just trying to meet people in the middle. And the space I'm occupying, at least I hope myself, is I'm trying to build influence while also being constructive. And that's what I'd encourage people to do is I think people are going to fish for influence no matter what. And while they're doing that, just find ways to fish for influence that are constructive, like having actionable bugs and then working with people to uh, get that bug and turn it into a PR, et cetera, et cetera. Or that's organizing events, all those things. So I, I guess I'm just trying to take what I think at least is a, a realistic position of there's a huge incentive to uh, post controversial stuff to get engagement. And if you are going to do that, Try and convert that energy to something positive and have something positive, positive, I should say constructive, because I actually don't care too much about positive or negative. I should say build something constructive while you're building influence or building a brand. And in the end, I think that actually does help more. Like I mentioned earlier, I think having a ton of followers can actually be really misleading if your followers are just reading vapid content you post. I think you can have like half or a tenth the followers but be posting higher quality, maybe even still controversial, but higher quality content. And those, say, 100 followers instead of 1,000 followers are actually going to get you a lot further professionally. I don't know. So maybe I feel like I should say something too here about that since uh, I do have a fair amount of followers on, on, on Twitter and, uh, and that I, as I think most of them are actually Flutter developers. And... Uh, I've been at it for, you know, I don't know, maybe five years on active uh, on speaking about Flutter on, on Twitter and tweeting about that. And I try to keep it fairly balanced, uh, at least I hope so. Sometimes I post some negative stuff, but not so often. But I also try to post a lot of, you know, helpful things and to help people out that have questions and issues about areas where I have uh, some expertise where I can contribute. And uh, I think that has worked out pretty well. I mean, I've grown my following from basically zero to 11K or something like that. So so something obviously works, even if you are not too critical. Even though lately, I have to say that uh, 
it is more difficult to get any traction for your posts if you are not posting something controversial. And that's definitely a change in the algorithm since the since Elon took over, for sure. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Of course, it was a little bit like that before, but uh, but not as sort of crystal clear that as it is today. So so yeah. But one thing that I have to say, I haven't really been into into it into get a following. Also, it just kind of happened. I don't really know why. But yeah, it's it's of course nice to get some responses to the things you post and uh, keeping it positive and also trying to introduce people to Flutter when they have questions about it and uh, interacting with them is it's kind of fun. Takes time though, so if you are not willing to get into that, then <laughs> don't don't do it because it it will consume a lot of your time for sure. But yeah, mostly I think it's still a fun experience. Sure, we live in our Flutter bubble. At least I try to do that quite exclusively on X Twitter because uh, the rest of the things that are going on there is kind of yeah sad when you look at it that way. But yeah, yeah otherwise my friend... uh, have, have fun with it and, and uh, help people that have problems with Flutter and point them to some directions. And sometimes you can't convince everybody that it's what you, you propose is the right, but maybe you can some, and maybe they can teach you something. That has been my attitude. Well, for me, hey, Mike. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. Okay. What actually? What I want to say. Well, for me, I actually feel the Twitter space is. I don't know. Though the just as the last speaker says, the controversial sometimes it actually brings attraction. No doubt, sometimes. But actually, some the Twitter space. I actually see it as a good playground, or more like a should I say an avalanche, a good playground where where we actually meet developers. Where that's actually a place where you see developers, more developers. Because I've actually, from experience, I've actually gotten to know many Flutter guys via Twitter. So I think uh, the Twitter posts i think virtually all the posts i've seen though some of them though even me too i even when i face a particular sometimes i actually give updates on my growth when i was learning flutter even now though you know we still learn every day i actually give updates on my quote and the rest and actually gets light from also people that are ahead in this twitter in this flutter space and i've actually gained enough in the twitter in the Twitter because I actually follow some top Flutter guys that are actually good and they tweet some posts. Those some, no doubt, are controversial. Some, for example, some, they will just say, okay, this is the lapses of that. This is the lapses of Flutter compared to React or compared to this. So sometimes we trash that, we talk that and doing and engaging on those conversations, it, it actually induces, it actually makes someone to actually do more research and the rest. So it actually helps. Though it has some disadvantage, I think, but on a long run, the Twitter space posting, it actually does a good thing, especially to beginners and the rest, I think. Yeah, thank you so much, Zach. And that reminds me, uh, I got to send out this reminder to everyone listening. Um, If you can, uh, like and retweet this this space uh, to help us out. Uh, because that does help us uh, pull in more listeners. And the more listeners we have, uh, the bigger these spaces can grow. And that way we can have more more discussions and we can actually organize. So um, Mike brings up a really, really good point where uh, one, one factor of this conversation and why we 
need to, you know, gra- ground this conversation in the discussion of the Twitter algorithm. It's because that affects how we communicate with each other. In fact, that that affects how these spaces, you know, who sees these spaces and who even, you know, is able to join these spaces. For example, Mike, if you hosted these spaces, uh, we probably get, you know, 200 people uh, just because if you're following. So uh, there is definitely an algorithm impact and about the algorithm you're right um i mean you you uh i I didn't even notice this but i agree that uh it's been promoting controversial things a lot more so after elon took over there was a period of around like two weeks two weeks where uh you know just regular posts uh did really well regular you know content posts did really really well and now after that, they clamped down or they uh, were trying to farm for more engagement, you know, to get more uh, screen time on Twitter or something. But you're right. It's now just very controversial things that are constantly being pushed into the For You tab. So that definitely we need to incorporate that into our discussion here as well, because without that, um, I, th- I think that was a crucial element that was missing from so- some of the analysis here. Um, so. They have also oh, yeah. made, Go ahead. Uh, just a short comment. They have also made it much more difficult, even worse than before, to actually see and discover replies and responses to tweets. When you go into the thread and how, how it works and to, to be able to de- detect and find them all. And, and that is also on purpose. Main, the main purpose of that is to get more people to respond with the same shit points, shit, shit posts or answers or whatever, to have more and more sort of... Uh, controversial feedback to some controversial topic without seeing, you know, maybe some deeper discussion where you are going into the details. And I think that works also in the, in cases post. I mean, the, the, the top post was, you know, you know, attention grabbing for sure. And then you had some very well reasoned and thought out thread to it that discussed why you were thinking so. And they were, you know, not that controversial and fairly minor. They were certainly annoyances, most of them. But nothing big, no showstoppers for sure. And uh, but nobody, hardly anybody noticed them. I took some time and I, I replied to all of them with, with some comments, etc. And and also went into depth in, in some of them a little bit just for fun. But I, I do know that hardly anybody read them. Yeah, that's oh, that's really surprising too. Um, I I wasn't completely aware of that. Uh, yeah, I'm just but, so thankful. Uh, sorry, one second. Yeah, go I ahead. just have to let you guys know I got to run pretty quick here. So I was just wondering if you want any closing thoughts from me or if anybody had some questions before I take off. Yeah, I have a really important question, or um, I guess maybe uh, just a minor uh, curiosity question. So your tweet had 993 likes, at least that's what I last saw. Um, what happened with the likes count? Why why did it drop to seven hundred and forty four right now? Huh, funny. Um, I haven't checked the like notifications in that much detail, of course. But my just super top of the head guess is that a lot of those were bots, and then the bots got banned. But that's just completely me guessing. I hadn't noticed that until you just said it now. Might might be bots, yeah. But the view count is is off the chart, basically. I, I have hardly ever even seen view counts like that from uh, posts made by the Flutter team, even back when Tim Sneath were posting quite popular posts. 
Yeah, for what it's worth, I think a huge part of that tweet's reach was actually the React Native community and similar communities kind of reposting it and kind of glee because they like dunking on Flutter. And I can't complain that much about them because I love to dunk on React Native. So maybe me and them have a bit of a thing. I'm pretty sure that was the reason as well. Yeah, for sure that was the reason. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty shocked too. I, I was like, oh my God, how is this getting so big? <laughs> Not what I expected at all. And I don't care that much about react native community engagement i really care more about flutter because i'm not i I should clarify when i talk about how i play the algorithm and stuff like that the stuff just to put it out there that i'm trying to get out of it is professional development and then i just have ideas about what would help flutter and i have issues that i'd like to get attention to so influence it's really professional opportunities and influence is what i'm looking for and then the third thing which honestly if I'm being honest, it's probably 90% of it. It's, I just find it fun to engage on Flutter. I like talking about this stuff. I like coming up with ideas. I like getting people's feedback. I Twitter is so much work. If uh, if I weren't doing this for fun, I wouldn't be doing it at all. Because just for, for example, professional development and influencers, faster ways to go about that. Right. Uh, you bring up that good delineation between just casual users you know just us using twitter and then there are people who want to be content creators they want you know twitter to you know be eventually a promotional channel for you know themselves or for their products uh, so we just brought up uh atunk so atunk uh if you want to you know ask casey anything um i know you gotta go so uh it's good to have this opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Uh, by the way, I want to say thanks to Casey for his post. I don't see anything negative in his uh, tweet. And I think these kind of constructive feedbacks uh, are really good for the product, uh, for it to become mature. Uh, I, I will make just a very small analogy. Uh, sometimes I look for restaurants in Google Maps and I look at the reviews of that restaurant and some people write bad reviews for the restaurant like you know this food was not good and so on and that restaurant owner uh, gives some replies when i see replies from the restaurant owner saying stuff like uh, we found out who you were uh, you finished the whole plate and it seems like you were enjoying it and now you are you know replying a bad review when I see these kind of responses from the restaurant owner, I immediately decide not to go there. Instead, when I see the restaurant owner saying something like, uh, okay, uh, we will be more careful and we will not let this happen again. Then I'm like, okay, th- this owner is good. This restaurant is good and I go there. So uh, Casey's post, I see nothing wrong with it. And all those, third, it's, it's not a low effort, you know, shit post. Uh, there is a big effort there. He made 12, 13 points, which I feel all of them are correct. And in my daily development life, I see them, I feel the pain. So it's not a low effort post. So, uh, of course, the React Native or other uh, platforms, they might, you know, use this maybe to their advantage. I don't believe it's an advantage to them. Also, as Zach told, uh, there is no bad press. It brings engagement to Flutter, so it's good. Uh, but if Flutter officially wrote a response to Casey's post saying that, uh, we will take these into account. Thank you for letting us know. We are going strong. It would be the best response. And 
we wouldn't be talking about if this was harming Flutter or not. So, uh, because we know Casey, he does so many posts, he does so many contributions. When you look at his tweet history, you see, you know, crazy cool stuff that are done with Flutter. So it's not like a hater, uh, you know, shitting on Flutter. Uh, generally, I think we should have these uh, in academia. Critiquing is very important, and I, I think we should uh, keep this uh, more. Uh, that's my idea. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the comments. One thing I was going to say, and I do love the analogy, by the way, that, that's a great analogy. The Flutter team in a couple places did comment, and we ended up with some constructive conversations. But as Mike pointed out, uh, Twitter makes it so hard to find comments or replies especially if they're constructive. I swear Elon Musk figures it out and then downvotes the hell out of the tweet. That seems to be the game now, sadly. And with that, I think I got to go. I think that's a good spot for me to wrap up too. Uh, thanks a lot for bringing me on, Ray and Matt. And I'm happy to join in these spaces in the future. I know I've been on a couple times before and they're always a lot of fun. Before and you run, anybody, Casey, uh, what's Before that? you run. Uh, before yeah. you go, uh, we always want to give uh, speakers and since you're our guest, the opportunity to you know share what they're working on um, and promote anything uh, you have going on. Uh, I know you have an app that you're you know tweeting about and promoting and working on. So if you want to take this opportunity to share that app, sure. Um, I'm in a funny spot where unfortunately my Twitter audience and my app's users have almost no overlap. But if you are into basketball, especially the NBA, uh, go check out the app that's in my bio. It's called Dribble Game. You can also find it at dribblegame.com. It's an NBA trivia app I'm building with a friend, and it's kind of Wordle-inspired. We're doing pretty well. We have about like 800 daily active users right now, and we're working on monetization and growth. We launched a new game mode recently called Swipe Ball that hilariously has like a Tinder interface where you swipe left or right on players to answer true or false questions on them. And it's doing pretty strong numbers and getting a bunch of organic growth right now, even though it's just like a super hacky prototype I threw out there. So in the next week or two, I'm like panic improving it, uh, hoping that we'll get a viral moment here. So that's what I'm working on. And also, if you uh, look at my Twitter, I try to post pretty earnest stuff about my app, just because one of the things I've been most frustrated as a new mobile developer, I came from backend and then product management, so front-end is new to me, is I feel like every successful app developer has their own secret sauce that they don't share with anybody. So if you're trying to figure out things that go beyond how do I make my first Flutter app and are more in the territory of what kind of ad network should I pick? What affects my ad revenue? What kind of monetization strategies do users respond well to, et cetera, et cetera, these more vague high-level questions. I try to post a lot about those to help people out. And I also post questions asking other people because I'm learning. I don't know much yet. So uh, if you guys see one of my tweets asking about these things, please engage because I'm always a little sad. I get I have a really hard time finding anybody with more experience than me who will talk to me about that. So I guess that's the, the two ends of my plug. And thanks for having me on once again. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Casey. Thank thanks you. for coming on. Yep. See y'all later and have a good new year. Yeah, cause it... All right. So, uh, for the rest of, um, the spaces, uh, we can, uh, you know, I guess quickly, uh, share any 
other thoughts we had that arose from that conversation. Um, so if you have any thoughts, you want to come up and comment, uh, definitely come up. And uh, for, you know, the last uh, five, ten minutes of the spaces, uh, we can open it up to just um, any open conversations as well. Uh, so if you have any, if you're saving, you know, any topics you have, uh, definitely press the mic button and come up on stage. And then uh, one more ask is definitely do uh, like and retweet the spaces calls. Uh, it really helps. And thank you to uh, Mike. Uh, you, you know, liked it. Uh, so thank you there. Um, and for everyone else that liked it, thank you as well. One thing I think that we can take from our discussion today that I found pretty informative uh, and uh, one thing I found that was uh, does offer us perhaps a path forward is the point of perhaps changing a mindset between, okay, here on Twitter, you know, I, I come pers and I want to grow my aud audience or, you know, I want to do, you know, improve myself personally uh, to where uh, changing it to the mindset that perhaps um, as a group, you know, a group is more powerful because of the way, I guess, Twitter works and or some some uh, my guess of how Twitter works is uh, Twitter pu puts you into bubbles. So, uh, so this is in their source code. Uh, Twitter puts you into bubbles. And if your tweet, if you make a tweet um, and the people in your bubble, so Twitter selects, uh, you know, your closest uh, most relevant uh, group of people. And then if the people in that group don't engage with your post, uh, your post uh, falls down in the algorithms and falls off of the For You tab for um, other people. And it never makes it outside of your bubble. Uh, so that's in the algorithms. Uh, they open source their algorithms, so you can actually see that. So that's a fact. It's proven. But you have to reach a certain level of engagement um, in your bubble. So if you're, I guess, starting out and growing, um, you want to find people and you want to make sure your following is full of people who will engage with you. And if that, that's perhaps a really valuable change in the mindset where we do want to engage with each other um, and we want to engage with each other in powerful ways. Um, and, and that's how you can help each other grow and how as a group, perhaps we can, uh, you know, make it break outside of our bubbles. And then from there, uh, leverage that into, um, some actions. So we can hopefully maybe change, you know, some flutter, uh, rules or flutter guidelines, and maybe we can, you know, pressure Google to, uh, <laughs> reiterate their commitment to Flutter or to make some things more clear and answer some questions. All right. Uh, Matt, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I guess I'll just, we can kind of close up with just a couple things from me. First, uh, I, I may be alone in this belief of those who have spoken today, but I, I, I am not a fan of the use of, uh, whether it's negativity or positivity, these things. I'm not a fan of the idea that one, is, that one should build a following by doing that. In my opinion, that's similar to companies that 
don't care at all about their product, but they just try to figure out how to get people to buy it. How do we get more customers, even though what we're creating has almost no value? And that's how you get into things like growth hacking and all these ways of kind of compelling people to come buy what you're selling, even though what you're selling isn't particularly valuable. To look at that in terms of social media, I think that if you have knowledge and you have experience and you have insights, there should be constructive productive, valuable ways to share that information, resulting in more people being aware of who you are and following you and possibly in the future hiring you for jobs or taking other actions that you're interested in. I do believe there are constructive ways to do that outside of playing this algorithm game. So I ve- even though I think I'm the only person on the stage who thinks this, I do think that uh, it there's a, a bit of a question of principle or a question of morality here. I don't think it is, uh, I think principally it is, I mean, I don't want to overstate it. The only word I have is immoral, but that's a bit too strong. But there is this kind of feeling that I have that it is somewhat immoral to say things you don't necessarily believe or at a level that you don't necessarily believe it or to be overly personal when it's not warranted so that you can get more people to pay attention to you. I mean, I, I really, I just don't have any respect for that. Uh, and I, now that's not to say that Casey's post was all of that. I, I grant that Casey's post had a lot of specifics and specifics are good. So if someone wants to be critical, here's some recommendations I would make. When you post something critical, be hyper-specific. What exactly are you unhappy with? What exactly is the problem? And why is it painful for you? And then when you describe that pain point, see if you can describe what you think a less painful situation would be. What does a resolution look like? How would you solve it if if it were up to you? And at least then you've created a clear action item. It's not personal. It's not hyperbolic. You're not creating fear, uncertainty, and doubt among the community. You're not dissuading people from using Flutter. You're just saying, here's a problem, here's why it hurts, and here's how you might solve it if you're someone who's in a position to solve it. I have no problem with those kinds of posts, and there was a bit of that in Casey's long thread. But there was also the opposite side. There was the the opening statement, which was pure FUD. There was the closing statement, which was overly personal. And there were things in between that weren't specific at all and weren't actionable, like just listing names of widgets he didn't like. And to the extent, I understand he's venting. That's another thing as well. Is do, should people vent on social media? I don't know. That's a conversation for a different day. But to the extent that those things are done for the purpose of getting people to pay attention to you, I just don't respect that activity. Um, and just, and I've tried to live that myself. In my history on Twitter and elsewhere, I have never once put up a post for the sole purpose of trying to get attention. And I'm sure if I did, I'd have a heck of a lot more followers. And hey, maybe I'd even have some more job opportunities. But I just think at a certain point, there's a kind of humanity involved here. How do we want to treat each other and how do we want to be treated? I don't want to live in a world full of hyperbolic, FUD, and personal um, kind of posts. So I try not to do that. Uh, so that, that's my two cents. I understand there's, there's disagreement here and other people feel differently. But I guess that's that's my closing remarks on that conversation. I do hope that Casey continues to push forward with some of the fixes and improvements he mentioned. I hope he continues to talk to the team. 
I would say to anyone on the Flutter team who does listen to this, understand that part of the reason this keeps happening is because seemingly, empirically, the only thing that gets a response from the Flutter team are hyperbolic, negative, FUD, panic posts. And so if the Flutter team would like to see fewer of those, a really good first step would be for the Flutter team to provide a pathway to resolution that doesn't involve posts like this. So that's that's my critique of the Flutter team in that regard. They can they can make decisions that result in fewer of these posts, and I hope that they do something about it. I'll also say again, I, I went over there and I said, would any of you like to, to pair program with me on video to show the community how they can help? So if someone takes me up on that, we're moving in a positive direction. But I'll again point out to the Flutter team, if no one takes me up on that, there are only so many ways and times that we can offer to help only to have the Flutter team decide that they want to stay in their cubicles and, and not engage with us. Mike, uh, you've been on stage for uh, quite a while. Um, and I just want to say, in my, I have in my drafts <laughs> a thank you post to you, Mike, because uh, to me, um, you're the example of, you know, the person on Twitter that, you know, I strive to be. Um, I think you embody uh, the type of content that, you know, we talked about that we want to promote. Uh, so do you have any uh, thoughts on this conversation? And then after Mike, uh, we'll go to Antunk and then uh, Luke, um, who's up on stage as well. Thanks, Ray. Oh, that was really nice to hear. And, and really, uh, I would just like to sort of say that uh, I, I agree with you, Matt, in, in some of your points there, but I do think that it is possible to gain traction and a follower on Twitter and especially in the Flutter community by still being, you know, mostly nice and helpful. And uh, I don't know, but it seems to have worked for me at least. At least I hope that I come across as uh, usually helpful, but, you know, it's it's... Uh, Sometimes it's difficult, of course. Sometimes you are frustrated, and uh, I've done a few posts like uh, like Casey as well, and and vented a little bit, and and yeah, you get attention, but does it help? No, you might feel a little bit better for a while, but but to to really move things forward, I I I probably seen that I posted a lot of issues, not as many as Luke though. I think he is the issue post leader with well over one hundred. I'm up there in the eighty eight count or something like that. But what helps when you post those issues to the Flutter team is to make them really well specific and uh, elaborate and describe them and, and, and describe what the issue is and also propose, uh, make a proposal for how you would like to see it solved. Sometimes I have even co posted code fixes that just as comment that if you code it like this, it should work. And uh, the only reason I haven't made PRs of all of them is the issue I mentioned before that I just don't have the time to go to the hassle to figure out the formatting. The tests to write them, then they are fine. As going back to, to Twitter a little bit though, the, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a really interesting journey. I, I never thought myself that I would uh, you know gain the kind of following that I I have gained on 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 Twitter, and I'm, I'm really grateful and, and humbled and thankful for it, of course, and. Uh, I try to also, you know, be be respectful of everybody that uh, that I approaches me there. And of course, it's impossible to have time to answer all the questions that uh, come through as a flood, and uh, sometimes in DMs as well by by uh, 
junior developers that wants to, you know, to reach out and get help with something. Sometimes I have time to do it, sometimes not. But, you know, mostly it's also a learning experience for me because uh, I, I'm not a, I don't consider myself super experienced or senior or, or an expert in all fields of Flutter. So uh, while doing all this, I grow myself and I learn on the way as well. So that's, that's what it's been for me. Anyway, thanks. All right, uh, Atunk, you have the floor. Okay, uh, thanks, Ray. Uh, I don't have uh, much to say. Uh, I think uh, you covered it all, uh, Mike and you and Matt, uh, some good points today. And uh, maybe somewhat related topic, uh, if we can talk about this next week, just I will open up the subject. We talked about APIs and API design of Flutter. Uh, Casey talked about it, and currently I'm having a big trouble. I'm trying to migrate to the latest Flutter. I know this is not a technical uh, space, by the way. I'm just putting it out here. I don't want to discuss it. Maybe we can do it offline. But uh, the Will pop scope that has been duplicated, and we need to use the pop scope, it's giving me nightmares. Uh, we lost functionality. We cannot do awaited stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if it is a good API design in the latest Flutter. Uh, I want to hear people's thoughts about it and maybe some posts. Uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'm not sure. But uh, it's it's giving us nightmares. Other than that, uh, thank you very much for this spaces. It was very nice. I don't know if, if it was because of Casey's topic that we were very crowded today or it was because it, it is a Thursday night. I'm not sure. Maybe you can consider doing on Thursdays instead of Wednesdays because I see lots of uh, participants and it was as usual great thank you guys bye-bye yeah thanks for coming up a um we do all, uh, always appreciate our speakers and uh to your question about will pop scope uh we do need to discuss that and have a broader discussion about api design um i think that's very valuable uh, that's something as uh in my developer career uh where i'm at right now um it's something I think about pretty much every day. Um, there's a lot of learnings that I would still like to keep on learning from. So it's a good topic for discussion. Will pop scope, uh, it does not work. It, removing it does not work on Android. So it's broken. <laughs> uh, so yes, there is problems and we don't know the path forward yet. Is there an open issue for it? Could you link it if there is one? Um, I'll need to go look at Casey Rogers' tweet. Uh, so he, I think, did link an issue, perhaps, but maybe not. Maybe it was just the thread. Um, so I'll follow up there. Okay, uh, Luke, uh, you have the floor. And welcome to our space. Thanks, Ray. How's it going? Can you hear me okay, first of all? just want to get a mic check. Uh, loud and clear. Okay, great. Um, just want to say a couple of things. I think a lot of people know me as one of the Flutter ship posters on Twitter, which I think is probably warranted, but on my end, it's a little more nuanced. Um, what I will say is that um, I don't post issues on Flutter Flutter repo anymore because they go stale. Um, that's the first thing. The next thing is I don't make PRs anymore because in my experience, the review process is toxic. Um, and a lot of the people involved in the review process is toxic um, or the PRs go stale. Um, the other thing too, is the framework has issues and I've run into issues with the team in the past and there's no good channels for feedback. My major focus now is to just build stuff. 
um, using the framework instead of, you know, trying to improve it. I do talk about the weird and broken things that I run into in the framework on Twitter, because if I'm wrong, someone will tell me and that's useful information. Um, and it's useful for other people too. If I'm right, someone will give me context, um, maybe some things to try to fix it. And if a lot of people are feeling the pain, it seems to go viral. Um, I do think that there's like labeling these things as FUD um, is a little bit short-sighted and kind of, um, you know, brushes away the pain that people might be feeling. Um, but I do think that it's also good to consider that, you know, sometimes things go viral on Twitter because for example, like the react native bros might see something that I post, uh, that's negative and then retweet it because they want to spread FUD, even though what I'm saying isn't actually FUD. So those are just some general thoughts that I have on this topic. Now, since uh, I've got you here, Luke, and uh, you post a lot of criticisms, um, but uh, you're also, you know, uh, I, I've said this to your credit, um, you're willing to say some things that um, other people aren't willing to say, that perhaps, you know, I'm not willing to say, and definitely uh, Google developer experts, <laughs> there seems to be a rule among Google developer experts that you can never criticize Google, you can never criticize Flutter, and uh, for people hoping to become Google developer experts, nothing wrong with that, you know, go for it, uh, if, if, you know, if, it probably benefits your career, um, it's probably a good thing to have, and, and you get these, you know, special Google meetup opportunities, but for the people who uh, do that, they seem to really, you know, self-censor themselves. Uh, so to your credit, uh, you don't do that. Um, but uh, since you're, uh, you know, put, you put yourself in that position, um, I do have some criticisms of what you do. And I do have some criticisms for you. Uh, so um, let me know, Luke, um, uh, you come into this space. I don't want you to be attacked, um, especially by the host. Uh, but... Um, I do have some questions that are critical. Uh, would you be willing to answer some of them? I mean, you said it so nicely. How could I say no? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I didn't mean to do that either. <laughs> I'm essentially like twisting your arm. Uh, uh, my bad. So this is on me. Everyone listening. I apologize. Uh, I, I'm... All right. I'll just go ahead and. Uh, I guess say it. So, uh, you uh, how 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 many hours do you spend on Twitter uh, each day? Uh, uh, that that will help me contextualize some of these things. I mean, I'm regularly scrolling through Twitter, but like, I don't have like a hour meter, like keeping track of like how many hours I'm staring at it, and it varies from day to day. Right. Uh, so the reason I ask is because you engage with, um, you engage a lot, uh, but you're also very selective about, it seems like you might be very selective about the people you engage with. So uh, this might tie into like perhaps one of your strategies. Um, is there a strategy or a criteria for who you interact with? Uh, not that I'm aware of, unless you're thinking of something specific. Okay. Um, I guess more specifically and more critically, um, there is, I guess, perhaps 
uh, conflict. So uh, you do perhaps uh, see. I, I don't have any examples. Uh, I just have uh, some feelings. Okay, so um, I could be definitely wrong, um, but you do reply in a way that seems to uh, <laughs> that, that seems to, uh, to you figured out. Um, what the Twitter algorithm likes in terms of uh, like controversy, controversy and conflict. Uh, would you say that's the case? Um, and would you like say that you actually engage with that intentionally? Uh, not intentionally. I mean, I recognize that there may be maybe the reverse. That Twitter algorithm has figured out how to get me to post things in certain ways, as opposed to me like trying to work it. Because the thing is, is like you can you can react to certain things, you react to certain things in a certain way, and they can go sideways, right? And so there's things you can do to avoid that. But it's not like it's not something that I'm like premeditating. It's more like time management than anything else. Because if something goes sideways, then you have to spend time trying to manage it. Oh, that is really interesting. Yeah, I I never thought about it that way. You flip it around. It's not that you're manipulating the Twitter, Twitter algorithm. Uh, it's that Twitter's figured out how to get you to keep on posting. I mean, um, well, I don't even think it's like that necessarily. It's more like, you know, given a conversation with 10 replies, right? If somebody says something that's just so completely outlandish and I respond to it, then that can turn into like a 15 minute back and forth. And sometimes I just don't have time for that. So like in that case, like I, in many cases, I can predict like which responses or which replies are going to have people who are going to engage like super negatively. And so then I just don't put my time into that. But that's just like a normal like human putting your time where it's worth. I'm not like manipulating anything. Oh, yeah, that that is really interesting. So you don't um, you aren't seeking out like you actually try to avoid some of the controversy. Uh, you aren't actively like like seeking it out. No, um, yeah, when you reply to people. Yeah, I mean, if if the question is, do I seek controversy? The answer is no. Most of the time when I post things, they're things that are phrased in a way that I just find personally amusing. And they're not meant to like give anyone like a really hard time. But I understand like every human, you know, experiences words differently. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for letting me ask these questions. Because... Uh, um, I think it's really important to delineate between uh, people who want to be content creators and just personalities. Uh, so, uh, Luke, would you say you're a content creator or a personality? Um, I think I'm uh, with Luke. regards, you're just Luke. Okay, yeah. so you're you're Luke. Awesome, awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, since you're here. Uh, yeah, uh, I talked quite a bit. Um, do you have any questions for uh, on this topic? Uh, any other you know thoughts or uh, does anyone have any questions for Luke? I'll just agree with with the comments about Flutter. I mean, I've, I think I've made very similar comments in the past. Issues uh, often go unnoticed, and even when they are noticed, they're often not fixed or responded. They can sit there for years. I do still file issues because it, it's low enough effort most of the time that I feel like I can't be too critical if I don't at least try to file the issue. But I agree that usually it's a lost cause. I'll take the issue number out of GitHub and I'll just paste it into some code where I've worked around it so that at, you know 
in the year 2028 when maybe it's fixed, I can come back to the code and fix it. Uh, I will also agree that the PR process is is just ridiculous. I mean, I think here's one difference of perspective that I think people should be aware of. I think in the Flutter team, when they look at their open source process, they compare it to something like the Android open source process. Like, well, we're better than Android. I agree, you're a hell of a lot better than the AOSP project. But that doesn't mean you're good, and it doesn't mean you're good enough, and it doesn't mean you can't be way better, and it doesn't mean you're not missing out on thousands of contributions you would otherwise get. So, and that's the view that I take, which is how good could it be? How good could it easily be? And the answer is way better than it is. It takes it can take a while to get anyone from the framework team or the engine team to review a PR. When they do review it, often they very tersely in like half a sentence tell you something's wrong. It's often not clear what is wrong. It's not clear how to make it better. And even just asking that follow-up question like, what do you mean? Can you point to the code? What should I do? If you even get an answer to that, it might take days or weeks to get the answer. And so in practice, there's no way to build up velocity or momentum here. And it's, it is as if they really... It's as if they're upset that you even tried to contribute. I think that is routinely the feeling on the other side. So I want to say I, I agree completely with completely with those points. And uh, and so when I also mentioned earlier, kind of my opinion about posting a lot of criticisms on social media, there is the other side to the coin, which is if the Flutter team is going to make it so painful to help them, and if they're only going to respond to hypercritical stuff on social media then guess what? There's going to be a lot of hypercritical stuff on social media. So I really wish they would listen to some of these comments and grapple with that reality and make it easier for us to constructively get involved rather than, again, just create this negativity machine because apparently that's the only thing that gets their attention. That, that part kind of drives me nuts too. I also want to say one more thing. I hate giving feedback on the PR process because Taha Tesser is usually the one triaging and he's the best triager I've ever seen in any open source project. The guy is an absolute fucking animal. But what happens after that is pretty garbage. And that's that's the part that I refer to whenever I speak negatively about the PR process. I agree. Triage, at least in the past uh, couple years, has been pretty good. Uh, so not a, not a triage issue, issue just an, act, an, an action, actionable action item issue. So whatever happens after that, I agree. Yes, triage is not really a problem for me either, and 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 I agree with you. Kaha is fantastic, fantastic with that, and and also he's uh, a fantastic contributor. He's been, you know, closing issues and fixing things uh, left and right for for a couple of years now, and doing doing really fantastic work on that. I do want to recognize that we've had someone on stage for a while that I don't think have spoken, and I'm I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Kagatai. Uh, uh, if hello. you'd like, to... yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, thank you, Matt. It's Chatai, actually. It's a bit difficult to say. It's a Turkish name. <laughs> and I think it's also Aytunc. Am I correct, Aytunc? Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's not Aytunc. So this C letter is actually K in Turkish letters sometimes. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so uh, today's topic was really interesting to me because uh, I, also came, uh, I also noticed this thread not on Twitter. I'm quite also quite active on Twitter, but this Twitter account is like uh, my kind of a work account. 
So like work in a way that I only post about Flutter in this. I have another uh, account where I should post about Turkish politics. So or some other things, but this account is only for Flutter and tech and very rarely about my personal life. So uh, I learn a lot in X and I'm using X as a kind of a learning place and also asking place. And sometimes at work, uh, my colleagues or some leads ask me, you have community, you have network, so ask this, how other people are doing? And I'm, I, I, I found it really useful in that sense. Like lastly, I think I asked about onboarding or I asked about some HTTP retries. Jonas from uh, MediaMarkt uh, from Germany, he recently became GDE. Like he's an absolutely perfect person to answer. Like uh, he helped me a lot. I learned a lot from him. Even today I learned that you cannot have a Git reference in the pub packages. I didn't know that. I learned it from Jonas. And also about this HTTP retry policies, I learned when I asked in Twitter. And in fact, when I was asking this, someone asked me, please share your solution because in two weeks I will use this solution. And I shared my GIST and he looked at my code and he realized a bug there. Instead of an OR operator, I used an AND operator. For example, if the code is 401 or above 500, I used AND instead of OR and he noticed that bug and I wouldn't notice this in the product because I didn't have tests for that. So it would have been shipped with this because this was not noticed in the review process neither. So when I shared this gist in the Twitter on Twitter, I also found a bug which was very useful. So um, in that sense, uh, people might complain about X, but I find it very useful because I believe uh, there are different ways of using it and I see many different ways. And about this particular topics today, I think Matt uh, summarized all my feelings and I sent a clap emoji there. Um, because uh, to be honest, I didn't see this thread because uh, Casey was muted in my Twitter. and. Uh, and uh, I noticed that when other people started talking about it and I checked it and I couldn't continue reading the thread after the second post because the voice was really not easy to follow. It was, uh, I couldn't understand like the tone. There was no point to, I mean, even if they are valid points, I don't think that I can have a, a fruitful conservation uh, with this, kind of uh, voice. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, Luke is here. Luke was muted at some point for some while in my <laughs> Twitter as well, but then I unmuted him and I'm very happy that I'm unmuted him uh, because I'm also learning from uh, Luke. Well, sometimes I feel like, okay, Luke is shitposting, but uh, sometimes I see, okay, the, the there is this threshold, <laughs> but for now, I mean, Luke is not uh, <laughs> muted. I'm sorry, Luke, don't take it personal. Sometimes I just see some tweets because like, I really want to use this place as a learning place. And I'm using Twitter in my work hours. I'm uh, posting in during my work times. <laughs> and uh, especially today, I was uh, writing Feedly a yearly performance. I was so bored of writing the performance for like performance reviews. So when I'm bored at home, when I'm doing some boring tasks, I quickly distract myself. I have ADHD, I think. I directly go to Twitter and engage in some other conversations. But anyway, so um, yeah. And another topic that I want to talk about was about the GDs because I'm a GDE. And 
there was uh, this comment from Ray that uh, GDE people don't really uh, write angry posts about Flutter. Not angry, but like, I don't know, some much criticism. But I disagree with that. I don't know if you remember uh, Pascal's post. Was it Pascal, our GDE from Germany? So he was really angry about the material tree making it default. To... Mike, do you remember that post? I don't know. Pascal Welch? Pascal yes. Welch, yes, yes. He was a yeah. bit upset about Material was... Tree becoming default and, uh, you know, destroying yeah. everything, even though all he had to do was to set a flag and continue as before, but, you know, still. Exactly. So what I want to say is that it's not really a GD thing that we don't criticize on Twitter. I also uh, criticize that Flutter keyboard visibility should be part of SDK, for example, and I explained my reasons. Also, well, Pascal Stone, for example, was very angry. But as I said, when we write this kind of angry posts or when we do criticize, I have never witnessed such a thing. It's just like that some GDs might uh, take this internally because there are internal channels, GD, GDs, that they, they can directly ask these questions to people and then get reasonable answers. But you can also create, uh, you, want, you may want to choose to uh, get more attention, more upvotes <laughs> on Twitter as well. It is totally fine. But just want to clarify that there is also another uh, discussion I had with Alessio. Uh, he said that GDs have the pressure of writing content during the year, like uh, to stay as a GDE. I don't think that, again, this is the case. When I became a GDE, I was clearly told that like, I just shouldn't feel pressure, and I never noticed anyone got this, hey, you need to push something. Because in the end, every year, like, you record what you have done, and then they evaluate, and then they, I don't know, uh, they say uh, we are continuing or not. But I think it's very rare that it, like, things happen because people don't, uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't see it, and especially if you are in a situation like you have, you are in parental leave, or something, they definitely consider all this kind of like shit happens in life, and they, they consider this kind of things as well. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I think uh, finally uh, I would like to say special thanks to Mike as well, also Taha and Mike. I call them Material Bros, because like. I can see the passion that they are doing and I have huge, huge respect to those. Like I sometimes feel bad, really bad because Mike writes a huge long thread and sometimes I forget to answer because when I want to answer, I really spend time to answer those. But I definitely read those threads and I learn from, from them. And I appreciate uh, Mike for this and also for Taha I want to say one more thing about Taha because we have an open source project and Taha was volunteering to review my PRs because he knows the, how Flutter works. He comes up with suggestions for free. <laughs> uh, he's not paid for this and I'm asking for him to have some Zoom meetings, asking some opinions from him. He's such a gen generous guy and he's not a Flutter developer. He's not in the Flutter team. Uh, but he's an external uh, to Flutter uh, team. So Google is paying to his company and his company is paying to him. So if Google can find companies, if they are going to outsource this kind of triaging or this kind of activities that Taha is doing, maybe they can be more selective uh, when they are outsourcing. Uh, 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I just want to clarify one more time. Look, uh, <laughs> I, I muted you in the past. I didn't mute you. I like talking to you. Don't take it personal. <laughs> no, I don't take it personal at all. There's a couple of things I want to say about that. First is people should use Twitter features to personalize their timeline and muting is like a totally valid tool. So like there's a lot of reasons to mute somebody and I think most of them are valid. Um, I just personally don't block people unless they're doing something really bad because I've had people block me in the past and then it's like broken, very common Twitter threads. And I've had to like reach out to them through other channels and be like, hey, would you mind switching this block to a mute? Because I'm like having a hard time reading this stuff. Um, and actually each time I've re reached out to somebody like that, they've actually unblocked me. So that was really nice. Um, but the other thing I want to say is that uh, the tweets that I have that like go viral sometimes, I can never predict that they're going to go viral. Like I have tried to engineer tweets to go viral and they never do. It's always the ones that I just post without even thinking twice about them. Those are the ones that always go viral. So I just want to be clear that I'm not like premeditating virality and any of this stuff, which I always find really fascinating because it makes it feel more organic when it happens. Yeah, thank you everyone for giving me this chance. And uh, I'm following your uh, spaces every uh, week, but I don't have usually a uh, chance to participate actively. Today was an exception, thank you. Oh, that's a great, Kate. Uh, are you still up on stage? Uh, can you stay, yes, stay up on yes, stage? Definitely, real quick? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay, great, great. Uh, so I am, um, I, I do have critical comments about uh, the Google Developer Expert Program. Uh, because it's very obvious to me, and it might not be obvious to you um, or other people, but uh, Google is just a huge influence. And whenever you have a position of authority, um, you have uh, an imbalance in power, and that creates certain um, certain mindsets and certain adverse uh, subconscious uh, biases. Uh, so, for example, the self censorship. Uh, so. Uh, an example of that is uh, if I want to post something about Flutter, but now I, I want to be a Google developer expert, I have to uh, have an additional filter in my mind that you know thinks about and considers Google's policies and Google's positions and whether or not what I post aligns with those. And if I contravene those positions, if that jeopardizes my uh, standing with Google when there is that uh, yearly review or there's a review. Uh, there's also, because the Google developer experts are a group, uh, that creates a form of peer pressure. So there's all these influences that um, you might not realize are present, but that just become present because of the structures that exist. And what I feel like what I've seen uh, is that it, it doesn't make sense to me uh, that this Google developer expert is being used to divide uh, developers uh, because it does. It does separate. Uh, it does create a group. It creates an in-group and an out-group. And with that, it creates in-group and out-group mechanics. So you have the Google developer expert group. And then you have developers who aren't in the Google Developer Expert group. Uh, that's a fact. And it never made sense to me why, instead of 
making the Google Developer Expert a type of recognition. It's promoted by Google and it's being used by Google as what seems to be a tool of exerting its influence and exerting its influence specifically over a group of developers that are then positioned in a leadership position. Uh, so I'll give you a chance to respond to that. And sure. anyone else wants to comment as well? Yeah, uh, definitely. So I would like to start with uh, like my background. Uh, I have been, like, sorry, um, I started my career as Android developer in 2013. And uh, in 2020, I started uh, Flutter development. And for the seven years there were, I was also following many Android GDE developers. And uh, yeah, I was really like, the, being a GD was like really a huge thing for me. Like, uh, I mean, because uh, there were not many developers, there were not many GDs. And uh, in this Android world, I was seeing like, uh, <laughs> there was really crazy contents. Like, uh, like I was really seeing this in these uh, times that, okay, I they, these people are amazing. I wish I could be as amazing as they are one day. And then, like in 2020, I started Flutter. In 2022, I became a GDE. But I think uh, becoming a GDE is not because now, I mean, in my opinion, is not because solely just because of this uh, knowledge or expertise that I have. I have been doing, uh, well, local activities a lot in Turkey. Like I live in Finland, but I my mother tongue is Turkish. Actually, I just uh, had a, Twitter spaces in Turkish today, <laughs> the every one hour before this meeting, I this space, I ended it. And I have my podcast channel in Turkish. Uh, I participated in this dev fest. Uh, so I kind of feel like uh, I have some expertise. Maybe I'm not the best Flutter developer or like top in top 1% uh, Flutter developer index expertise. But I think I have some expertise that creates an impact. And this is and flood GDE is about the impact that you create. Uh, like uh, some, I think I I I should not talk uh, for Google. I'm just giving my own uh, experience and uh, ideas. This local impact with your expertise doesn't mean that like uh, you are like a super super ex expert. This is I I don't know. Uh, it is very also maybe. Uh, I, I'm wrong, maybe. Uh, also, I agree that being in and out is something, but I also believe that GDE program is not perfect. But how it helps me in my personal life, um, it helps me to connect with amazing people in this kind of uh, conferences, especially uh, when I, like, like, Google helps you financially to... Uh, go and talk in some conferences, especially in DevFests. You can go to different countries and Google pays for your flight and hotels in DevFest talks. Uh, then in conferences, uh, if the conference cannot afford your uh, ticket, flight ticket and hotel staying, Google again supports financially. Uh, other than that, I think this year there was only two conferences that Google uh, organized, not conferences, but gatherings. One was uh, GDE Summit in Berlin in January, 
and the other one was Amsterdam, in, but it was like Google I.O. Connect. So Google sponsored GDs, not only GDs, but also GDGs and GDSC students as well. So uh, other than that, I don't think that there was huge benefit from Google site to uh, GDs. But one, one another thing could be uh, there is this flutter in like a, there is this internal communication channel also, which you need to sign NDA and everything. But even for that, you don't have to be a GDE. Like, uh, like there are really active community members part of this group. Uh, so, like, uh, for example, Alessio was talking about this. He was saying that you get lots of perks, but I can't name like this many perks. But I agree that there is this in and out. And I don't know if this is something that GDEs should uh, solve. Maybe Google can consider this kind of uh, maybe. Okay, because for example, uh, some other Alessio was suggesting maybe expert was uh, a wrong word or something, but it has always been a GDE program. So yeah, these are the opi uh, my opinions. I hope it was a bit helpful. Can I jump in? Is that Corey? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I just want to say that yes, Kate, uh, that is very helpful. Uh, what I appreciate is learning about the mindset um, and we, I can delve into that um, after Luke and after this. And I just want to call out that I did share Alicio's post um, into the tweet uh, space, uh, my personal opinions about some of the dark sides of being a GDE. Um, so thank you for coming up on stage and helping there. You can um, also over see, yep. you can also see my answers to Alessio in there. And one last thing I forgot to add, I think uh, in Twitter, being an example is my uh, motto. Uh, I just want to be a good example of how a good communicator who is only focused is learning and sharing can communicate. Of course, I'm not perfect. I'm just trying to sh show my will to learn and will to share. And my motto is be an example, then the rest comes. Yeah. Um, Matt, I don't know if you're still here. I was going to ask you um, just for your take on something. Um, I've talked to a few people who are Android and web GDs, and my take has always been that Android and web and Flutter, when Flutter first uh, started to get a little popular, this is like pre-beta, um, my, my sense is that all three of those programs really had that expert vibe to them, uh, where people were being recognized for technical excellence. And then at some point, Flutter started to switch into more like, a, of, like an evangelist role, um, and I'm wondering I mean, first of all, I've talked to people who are GDE, Android, and Web, and they've actually, they look at the, the GDE Flutter program. They don't really understand why it's gone so far evangelist. So I, I know that I've talked to people who like mirror the sentiment. So my first question is, because you've been around for a while and you've got a pretty wide uh, scope here, if you like agree with that take. Um, and then the next one is totally unrelated. Do you have any idea why Google doesn't host USA events? They seem to be very focused on rest of the world. Okay, so let's see. So, uh, so I haven't paid a lot of attention to GDEs over the years. Uh, I would say that probably, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really look to them when I was an Android developer. Perhaps there were some people who were GDEs and I didn't even know it. Like I remember listening to the Fragmented podcast, for example. I don't know if either of those guys were were GDEs or not. Um, but if I had to guess why that pattern might be true. Uh, it might be the case that Android doesn't need help in adoption. 
uh, and in fact, adoption of Android is rather exclusive from development on Android because Android is a consumer facing device and operating system and development is a completely separate task. Probably there, are, there could be a similar argument made for web. Flutter is in a somewhat unique category in that the people who are the customers of Flutter are also the developers for Flutter. There's less of a line between what it means to teach you how to build things for Flutter and also convince you to adopt Flutter, whereas that line is much more clear on, on Android. But that's just speculation. Uh, I, you know, my view of GDEs is that they are unpaid marketing staff. Uh, I don't like that personally. I don't, I, if, if you want my services, pay me. I'm, I'm not going to charge you exorbitant rates, but if I'm valuable to you, then please pay me for my services. The other thing is that if you sign the GDE contract, you are prohibited, you're actually literally prohibited from being paid by Google for anything. So in, in my, uh, in my ever-present hope that at some point Google decides to pay good open source developers to contribute, I don't want to write, uh, sign away my rights to being paid by Google. Uh, and then the second question, I'm sorry, I forgot the second question already. What was that, Luke? Yeah, why do you, why do you think uh, Google doesn't host USA events? They seem to be focused on rest of the world for their um, conferences and stuff like that. Yeah, so there again, it's going to be speculation. Internally, DevRel is actually separate from the Flutter organization. So the way they cut the lines is that Flutter is its own organization with framework developers, engine developers, plugin developers. They probably sit right next to a number of Dart team developers. And even though there are some DevRel people that walk about in the same area, the reporting structure for developer relations is an entirely separate organization. So the the, your, the the Flutter DevRel people that you see don't re actually report into engineering managers or product managers for Flutter. I don't believe they report into uh, Michael Thompson or what would previously have been Tim. I don't think they report into Todd, which would previously have been Eric Seidel. So whatever those policies are, they are separate from the Flutter organization. However, it, it is definitely well understood within Google that at least since I joined, when I joined Nest back in like 2015, even as early as that, the company-wide vision was expanding into underserved markets, namely India and pretty much all of the African continent. Those were seen as untapped markets. Uh, I don't remember all of the rationale for the strategy, but probably they reached kind of critical mass in the US and Europe and like, well, where else can we take this stuff? And those were the answers. Now, I will say I've noticed that even aside from Google putting together events, if we just look at community events, Europe is incredibly popular for Flutter events. Even areas in Africa are, are pretty popular for Flutter events and nobody organizes any events over here in the US. I even I toyed with the idea of maybe trying to organize a conference here on the West Coast, but I know it's a heck of a lot of work, and so I don't know if I want to sign up for that. But I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why uh, Americans, essentially, in general, don't seem to be all that interested in Flutter, whereas you find major groups in Europe and Africa, and even some uh, things have been, have been uh, organized in uh, Central and South America. And so I don't have an explanation for that, but it is certainly a true pattern.
Uh, so what I've seen there, Luke, and this is from uh, my personal experience with uh, the meetups of the first uh, Flutter meetups in the U.S. hosted by Very Good Ventures, um, and also uh, the meetups that uh, are being hosted in New York City. Um, and then I think in San Francisco, there's been two meetups, right, Matt? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but just two meetups in the entire uh, five years I'm, of Flutter. I'm only aware... I don't know if you mean by meetup, if you mean people getting together or you mean an actual repeating meetup. In terms of repeat, a repeating meetup, the only one I'm aware of out here is Flutter Silicon Valley. And it might not mean much to most people, but that hasn't been in San Francisco. It's been in Palo Alto, Mountain View, Sunnyvale, those areas down here in, in Silicon Valley, which is about 45 minutes away from San Francisco. I'm only aware of that one, and I've, I've tried to participate in all of the instances of that meetup. I haven't found any others. There is the one in New York, Ray, that you mentioned, although I, mean, I guess it's probably still going, but the person who hosted it for years just recently stopped hosting it. So I don't even know what the future of that meetup is going to look like. I see. So uh, I guess my take here is that uh, the meetups, um, they don't really happen because uh, they're uh, but they uh, they uh, they need office space, so they need a place to host the meetup. Um, in Chicago, if you want a place to host the meetup, uh, it costs a lot of money. So Very Good Ventures did it, and they only hosted two Flutter meetups. Like in five years, they've only really hosted two Flutter meetups, and the reason for that is because um, they used it mostly as like recruiting events. So they wanted to recruit Flutter developers, and once they found that, hey there aren't really a lot of Flutter developers around here in the U.S. and, you know, Chicago and New York City, well, then it no longer makes financial sense. And uh, what I have also seen is, so Google pushes very heavily in terms of trying to, they focus in, if I were to rank, you know, like their focus, they, they'd focus probably 20% on uh, enterprise and businesses and compared to 5% in direct reach out to developers, if 5% at all, maybe 3%. So there's an inordinate amount of focus on enterprise businesses, and perhaps it is to encourage these businesses to make their office space available. Um, I know four businesses off the top of my head that have hosted maybe one Flutter, you know, meet and greet. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it a meetup. Um, they say, hey, you know, we're Flutter developers and we want to meet other Flutter developers also in this city. Um, and that's it. N nothing repeating. So it seems like there is some uh, financial uh, barriers or uh, Flutter it just isn't picking the right companies. I don't know. Yeah, I would like to comment about this uh, from Finland. Uh, Mike also lives in Finland. So, um, well, Flutter is quite active in Europe, uh, but we couldn't organize events in Finland that much neither because like, uh, we are in a really terrible economy right now and uh, companies are hosting meetups or they are uh, giving some budget to organize these meetups when they are hiring. And the hiring is really in not a good uh, state right now. But uh, from the consultancy companies, consultancy companies not only uh, organizing these events for hiring, but they also have, have to be visible. So they have to, like if you ask yourself, 
tell me some company names that use Flutter, you would see Invertase, VGV, because they, they have to be visible, like CodeMagic, for example. CodeMagic is when you say CICD in Flutter, like there are many different uh, and very like uh, capable CICD companies, but CodeMagic choose to concur Flutter and they concurred Flutter. For example, RevenueCat also is concurring Flutter, although there are other opponents as well. And not opponents, uh, so there are competitors as well. And also like, uh, yeah, so this kind of uh, consultancy companies needs to be, they need to be visible and their name should be very close to Flutter as well. Uh, okay. Other than that, uh, like because of this current state of hiring, uh, yeah, it makes it difficult. And yeah, uh, yeah, we couldn't organize in Finland because there are not many companies doing this, uh, doing Flutter in Finland that much. Even like another thing is that finding speakers is also a difficult problem because like uh, sometimes just to support this kind of events, I come up with a topic that I have to prepare. I become a speaker. Then like people sometimes on Twitter say that, well, all the time the same people are talking, giving talks. It's because like there are really not many uh, people who want to talk and we want to keep the momentum with the meetups by organizing these events. Yeah. That being said, though, I think, Shatai, that uh, Volt and a few other companies here in Finland have been fairly active considering how small the Flutter community is in Finland. And it's uh, really, really great to see that. And it's been uh, fun to participate in the meetups. Yeah, and yes, uh, maybe, maybe there are just, you know, same people always talking, but, you know, yeah. some variation. <laughs> the thing is that I want to organize meetups. And I talk to my team lead and they say, oh, this is a cool idea. And then when we need to uh, like get some budget, we need to talk to a CTO or in an upper level, like, you know, to get budget. And then you need to validate your reason why you want to organize this meetup. They need yeah. to align with the needs of the companies. If the company freezes the hiring, then they won't want to spend money. In, or if the company doesn't need to hire Flutter developer, but need to hire... Uh, front-end developer or back-end developer, they need to organize uh, Python meetups or Scala meetups. You got the point, right? Yeah. Does that answer your question, Luke, or does that jive with what, you know, your experiences are there? I got what I need. Thank you. All right, uh, so uh, we'll begin to wrap up the spaces. Uh, thank you, Matt, so much for your time. Uh, uh, and thanks for, uh, I, I, I tried to invite you as a co-host, but uh, um, I, I don't know, it, uh, somehow it didn't work. Uh, so to wrap things up, I, I wanna highlight something that it, I think um, it helps ground some of our discussions a bit. So Kadig, um, we're, uh, thank you for, you know, coming on and engaging with us um in my experience i've seen you know not a i haven't seen a lot of uh google developer experts uh trying to do what we're doing and trying to uh you know actually advocate um and, and that's fine because there is a delineation right so i want to point out that there's something uh important here to recognize that there's different mindsets so Kate, the mindset that you have which is very valuable is 
you want to learn and grow as much as possible. And you said that, and I recognize that. And I think if you're listening to this call, uh, this discussion, uh, you can see that, you know, that's a definite, like really great mindset. I just want to learn and be grow and be the best I can. Um, and that's what you've been doing. Whereas for us, for some of us, for me, uh, there is a different mindset. So if I have, you know, a bit, somewhat of business mindset, and I also have somewhat of a um, operate outside of the rules mindset. So I want to change the rules. So that's just a difference in the mindset. And I really respect uh, your mindset and the mindset of all, you know, and the work you put in as well. And anyone with that learn and grow mindset, I'm trying to get more of that as well into my life. Uh, so I don't just complain. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, that, that's my final uh, comments there that people do have different mindsets and that helps explain a lot of their positions and a lot of their uh, actions that they take. Uh, for example, the content creator mindset versus just being a personality mindset um, that we discussed earlier with uh, Luke and also with Casey Rogers. Um, so to me, that's how I conceptualize, hey, why is someone you know, <laughs> making these posts uh, versus creating content that is you know, supportive of Flutter, et cetera. Uh, so with that, um, I want to move to the closing remarks where uh, I want to invite everyone on stage to, uh, you know, plug, you know, whatever they're working on. And then if anyone else would like to come up and also share what they're working on, I'll bring you up and we'll close with that. So uh, first, I'll, I'll go first. Um, uh, I'm, my name's Ray, Ray Lee. Um, I host these spaces weekly with Matt uh, on Wednesdays at uh, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, and uh, what I work on is I work on the NoCD app. So uh, it, the NoCD app is um, a teletherapy app for uh, people with OCD. So if you or you know someone with OCD, uh, go to treatmyocd.com. And uh, it's uh, we've provided we we've, uh, we've made it so that 160 million more people are now covered under insurance uh, for OCD uh, in the past three years. Um, I also uh, build Codelessly, so Codelessly is a visual editor for Flutter. Uh, so click on my profile, and you can find the link to that. Uh, we're moving into an open beta. Uh, soon, and this year is going to be huge. Uh, so if you're a Flutter developer, check it out. Um, it will save you a lot of time, hopefully. All right, uh, Matt, do you want to... I'll, I'll hand it off to Matt. I'll go last. Why don't we do Mike, Luke, Katai, and iTunes? All right. Good. All right. Thanks, Matt and Ray, for, for having me on board again. I'm, I'm Mike Rydström, and... Uh, you probably know me from Twitter if, or X, where I typically tweet about uh, Flutter and uh, material teaming and these kind of things because uh, I'm also a tool and package author of uh, Flex Color Scheme and uh, Flex Seed Scheme and a color picker that is perhaps not so well known. So I am actually working on bringing out some uh, exciting new features to, to the Flex Color Scheme and the Teams Playground that is the visual configurator for the team that, that makes the team for it. But I'm honestly been way too busy actually working on my, my day job recently. So 
I, I do work with, with Flutter in my day job as well. I, I'm working on a program for energy efficiency management in facilities, and uh, we've been rewriting our back end. And now we are moving over to the front end and are going to make that with Flutter as well. So that will be exciting. Anyway, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. All right, so uh, for a while there, I was kind of loudly advocating for changes in Flutter, but that's really tiresome. I don't think anybody really liked listening to it and it got kind of boring. So now what I'm doing is a lot of build in public stuff. So if you want to watch somebody build uh, Flutter apps in public, then go ahead and follow me. Right now I'm working on a grocery list app, but there's gonna be others in the pipeline. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really cool vibe because we're just building stuff and we're not getting too caught up in the BS. So that's my pitch. And I'm Cha Tai. Uh, one more time, it's Cha Tai. Difficult, I understand, but Kagatai is also fine. That's how people call me. Uh, yeah, um, I'm Flutter Competence Leads in a kind of a really big company uh, that is active in uh, quite many countries and uh, we have a very business critical flutter app and uh, we are solving every day really uh, various problems and i learn a lot from those uh, this is my daily job and other than that i have two side projects one is kind of frozen now and one is uh, soon i'm releasing and by building those, I also learn a lot and I learn, I share my learnings and uh, I'm also trying to prepare talks on conferences because I like being on stage. When I was in the university, I was active in the theater club, club of the university. Uh, I was on stage as a like, you know, actor and uh, I cannot spend time on acting. So... What I'm doing is that I'm preparing my talks and uh, enjoying being on stage with my talks, with technical talks. And that's my pitch. Hello, uh, I'm Aytun Çiştemen and uh, in my daily job, I work in a, a finance and a telecommunications company, uh, which has the uh, user-facing app written in Flutter. So in my daily life, I'm always using Flutter. And other than that, I'm the founder of Sponty. It's a video-driven social app for in-real-life spontaneous events. Uh, so it's a TikTok-like social app where you can post videos of your uh, surroundings, uh, inviting other people to join you, and they send you uh, invitations with, again, video. So it's not like it doesn't have any filters or anything like that or any kind of text messages. Uh, it's just wholly driven with videos. You can download it on both of the stores. For the past two years, the code base hasn't been touched, unfortunately, because of my daily jobs. Uh, we did it as a team, but uh, everyone is working on it somewhere else. But uh, very, uh, like, surprisingly, it still works fine. You don't even have to register an account. You can just, as a guest, browse through the activities if you want to get the feel of it. The, the video feed took a lot of effort and it was, this was two years ago. I'm sure the video player app, the video player package has been improved a lot lately. So hopefully one day in the weekends, I will start working on it. That's all. Uh, and I'm really enjoying these uh, spaces. So thanks for the opportunity, all of you. Take care. 
Thanks. So I'll wrap us up here. Uh, I saw that Alan came in, so I want to give Alan a shout out. Alan Wyma is the host of Flying High with Flutter. That's a podcast that all of you should check out if you get a chance. Alan is also, he also runs a little shop out of Hong Kong doing development in a number of technologies, but of course, including Flutter. Uh, I also know that these spaces, you know, we have, we do it at the same time every week because it's convenient for myself and for Ray. What we've mentioned before, and I'll mention again, is that, you know, we are open to adding new hosts to our group of hosts and new shows to our group of shows. So if any of you would like to host kind of your own version of Flutter Spaces in a different time zone, maybe a time zone that's ideal uh, for for Europe, ideal for India, you know, whatever that might be, please do reach out to one of us. I think what we'd look to see is have you host that for a few weeks in a row just to prove that you, you can do it and you know how to do it and all of that. But then we'd be happy to consider you as you know part of our family of shows. Uh, on a related note, we have flutterspaces.com as a website where we stay up to date with the show. So Every time we finish a show, we go over there, we add the originating tweet to flutterspaces.com. And we also release an episode of this Flutter Spaces through our podcast, also called Flutter Spaces. And we make that available at flutterspaces.com as well, in addition to Apple, Spotify, Amazon, et cetera, wherever you find your, your podcasts. So we'd love to expand the effort, expand the conversation, have more shows at more times and more places with more points of view. It's just a matter of getting people who kind of want to host those things and, and keep up the effort uh, once a week, every week. With that, my name is Matthew Carroll. For those of, you, those of you who don't know me, I'm a former member of the Flutter team. I was on the Flutter team from 2018 to 2020. Uh, starting in 2020, I came, I left Google to do kind of all the Flutter adoption work that I could. I've done uh, free YouTube education. I've done corporate training. I've done consulting. I've done contract development. And uh, these days I try to focus as much as I can on leading the Flutter Bounty Hunters, which is an organization of remote developers where we work exclusively on open source Flutter and Dart packages. We look for companies that need similar tools but aren't necessarily related to their business. We then get those companies to pay us to build those tools so the companies get those tools at a lower price than, than building it internally. But we also release everything we build to the public open source so that the entire community gets the benefit of those tools and nobody has to reinvent those wheels ever again. If that's of interest to you, your team, your company, go to flutterbountyhunters.com. If you'd ever like me to help with proprietary development effort, go to superdeclarative.com and uh, I'd be happy to work with you. So with all of that, uh, I appreciate everyone who joined today. I especially appreciate Casey who came to answer our questions about his post. I appreciate Mike coming on stage for pretty much our entire show today to talk to Casey and others. I appreciate Luke for coming up. Uh, Chatai, I probably still butchered your name again, but one of these days we'll get it correct. And Itunch, thank you as always for coming up to speak. We love as many audience, participating audience members as possible. Uh, hopefully more of you will come up and speak next week. So with that, thanks for being here and we'll see you in a week.